Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It is such a gorgeous day outside. It's Friday. There is a huge slate of college football games. It almost feels like separation Saturday in college football. Obviously, a Colts game coming up on Sunday in their old stomping grounds, even though it's almost at this point you forget about the fact that they had come from Baltimore because they've been here longer, obviously. But a lot to talk about on a Friday. How are you? My name is Jake Query. Jimmy Cook is here. Eddie Garrison is our CEO, but just inexplicably decided to leave the building. So we're not sure where he went. <laughs> so I think that job might be posted again. But this is Query and Company here on 935 the fan. Jimmy, I'll begin with a simple you have on your March on to Victory Notre Dame shirt. You're fired up for the Irish. taking on Ohio State, right? Yes. Can they, and I'm not saying this as the, uh, just a, a in-passing comment before we get into it later. Um, if Notre Dame were to lose, either one, can either of the two that loses that game, the loser of that game, could they still get in the college playoffs? Or yes. does that eliminate them? Yeah, I think they can. Yes. I really do think that it's entirely possible there will not be an undefeated team in the college football playoff. You wouldn't hear an argument from me. I mean, it's – and I don't know if that's parity or if that's just, you know, the the transfer portal and, and unfamiliarity. And, you know, there's just – things just seem way more topsy-turvy than they were. And because you think IU is going to beat Michigan? Oh, Eddie's back. He's back. I had to go uh, grab my headphones. No, no, not think. <laughs> Eddie, not think. <laughs> no. October 14th. The, 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 what are we, three weeks away? We're counting down. Three weeks away. Like, if you have, if you've been thinking about getting new shingling on your roof, if you've been thinking about, you know, when exactly is the time to, to go ahead and put the cover on your pool for the wintertime, if you've been thinking about, if you've got a crack in the driveway or a small crack in your windshield that you're afraid is going to spider, Get that taken care of by October 13th, because on October 14th, the world is going to rattle with the seismic waves <laughs> of shock that come out of Ann Arbor when Indiana and the Fighting Hoosiers go up and stun the Michigan Wolverines. A shockwave from coast to coast, by the way. If you're listening somewhere else outside of the state of Correct. Indiana, you should also Correct. take those precautions. If you are listening right now outside the state of Indiana, I'd like to know. Here's a fun game, guys. If I do a roll call right now from outside the state of Indiana to see just how far the tentacles reach of the company, and I throw out my cell phone number and tell people to text me simply what state they are listening from right now, will we get more than three states besides Indiana? I mean, Indiana's obvious, so don't text if you're from Indiana. But if you are listening right now and your feet are outside the borders of the state of Indiana and you text me at 317-523-9288, my cell phone number, 317-523-9288. Learn it, live it, know it. If you were to text me right now and tell me what state you're in, will we get more than three states outside of Indiana? Yes. You think so? Yes. Okay. It's probably because people want to hear about the Colts, and I understand that, right? So we will get into that. Colts and Ravens. As a matter of fact, big show lined up. We're going to talk uh, with Beth Mowens, who's good. Mowens or Moans, I always I know it's Moans. Moans, yep. But I have like this mental glitch. I understand. I've been there. Glitch. Beth Mowens, who's going to be on the call for that, is going to join us at 2.30 today. Kevin Bowen will join us coming up here just about 25 minutes from now. Speaking of the Colts, I feel like last night what we saw, the quarterback position is fascinating to me in the NFL because there are really two ways to build a roster. 
the first way to build a roster is, or the first way to try to win is you you draft a young quarterback that you feel like is a guy that you're going to build around and is going to be your future. And you and you accumulate weapons for that young quarterback. And so you go out and you get a dynamic playmaker. You get guys that can make plays in space. You get guys that extend plays. And you build a ferocious defense so that for the most part, your offense by the third quarter can be simplified by simply chewing clock, right? That's exactly what San Francisco did, thinking they were doing it for Trey Lance. And then they realized, like, he just couldn't play, right? So they make that move. I had I had an NFL quarterback last night, not not an active, but somebody who has played the position that I was talking to who said, I'll tell you what, Purdy is really lucky to be on the, the, the 49ers because it's everything a quarterback would want. Great defense, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. So the blueprint was there. Interestingly enough, there are two ways to look at it. The first one is that you have a quarterback that you know is your future and you make sure that you build around that quarterback to give them weapons, to get them comfortable and allow them to acclimate, right? The other one is you have a roster that is so good that you can theoretically just put a system running, don't screw it up and hit a bridge abutment quarterback at the wheel and you're going to be okay. Now, we don't know yet, quite frankly. He's 8-0 as a starter. We don't know yet which one Brock Purdy is. Is is Brock Purdy the diamond in the rough, the next Brett Favre, the next late-round draft pick, the next Tom Brady that, that, that people just slept on and you find out, wow, this guy actually can really play? Or is he a Joe Flacco where the roster around him is so good? The interesting thing is the roster around him was built to acclimate a young quarterback. It just wasn't him. And that roster gelled together so well that the quarterback position then became just a keep your hands on the wheel. And that's not to in any way, shape, or form slight what he is doing. But they throw a lot of five-yard underneaths, you know, keep the, the quarterback safe plays. But with the talent they have, Jimmy, it doesn't matter, right? Yep. The problem I see for Indianapolis right now is that it se- the Colts – the Colts, not they had not yet determined who their young quarterback was going to be. And so it feels like they had not built the roster to acclimate a young quarterback into the NFL because they assumed it was going to be Carson Wentz. They assumed they're going to get a second year out of Phillip Rivers. That, that all has set them back so far because you don't have anybody even near like a McCaffrey. I mean, Taylor, sure, I guess you could say, but... Taylor be on is the a field. much more versatile player sure. than, than uh, excuse me, McCaffrey is a much more versatile player than Taylor. Yes, but and, and Debo Samuel, you know, open space, you know, just guys that you you throw them on a five yard and you get them in space and it's over. They don't have any of that. They they have to accumulate those pieces. But what you see last night in San Francisco is if you can build those things, but not everybody can do that. It takes time, right? But that's to me that's the blueprint of what you want to be is where San Francisco is right now. And they and the other thing, too, for the 49ers, Jimmy, let's be honest. If you are a diehard fan of the city, do you know any diehard 49ers fans? Yes, I know, I know one. one. I know one, yeah. Which, is it the same? Do we know? Are, are I we doubt it's the same. I don't think is it's it cross-pollination. It's not. No. It's not Darnell? No, it's not. What's the name of your 49er fan you know? <laughs> Billy? I know one. 
Who's yours, Eddie? My father. Really? Yes. Your dad's not Darnell, is he? <laughs> no. Well, that would have been something. No. Um, how did your dad become a Niners fan? Um, I believe he just really liked watching Joe Montana and Jerry I, I Rice mean, and that. Right. All of them. And so he's just followed them ever since. They do have great helmets and like great color scheme. Eddie, what's the name of your, or Jimmy, what's the Mark. name of your, Mark. Yeah. Okay. So Niners, Mark, and, and Darnell. But the, the 49ers, though, um, in, in watching that game, I'm thinking to myself, if you were Mark or you are Eddie's dad, did you ever see that TV show, The Courtship of Eddie's Father? Mm-mm. Did Eddie wonder, live it? Is that what you're saying? The, the Courtship of Eddie's Father, I wonder if, if it was about Eddie's dad and it was just a, about a 49ers fan. Probably not because it was about a single dad. But at any rate, um, if you were one of those fans, you've got to be thanking yourself every day that the Niners are in the NFC. That's not to say that the Niners aren't really good across the board, but the the AFC is so loaded. And then you look at the NFC and you got the Niners. Who would you say is the second best? Well, the Cowboys are really good this year, I think, defensively in particular. But, uh, you know, who's who are the third and fourth best teams in the NFC? Outside of... San Francisco and Philly? I'm, well, oh, I forgot about Philly. Okay, so there's three. So who's the fourth? I mean, you got a serious drop-off, right? Yeah. San Francisco, Philly, Dallas. Dallas. And then then what? Uh, Minnesota? Uh, uh, Detroit? There's an argument to be made from somebody from the north. It's not the Saints. Like, if I get, I get it is not the Saints. That's all I will say. Like, okay, I'm glad Detroit? they started out 2-0. Probably. And where would Detroit be in the AFC? Like, struggling for a wild card, right? Yes. Struggling, as Joe Namath would say. Did you watch the game last night? Uh, bits and pieces. I knew where it was going. I'm sorry, Thursday Night Football. I'm sorry, Kirk Herbstreit. I'm sorry, Al Michaels. But I knew where it was going. <laughs> so you knew that that game... Okay. I mean, like, we talked about it yesterday. Like, it was a waste of a Thursday night matchup, which has been the narrative around Thursday Night Football pretty much since its existence. That game was close for about five minutes when it was 3-3, and then it was all San Francisco the rest of the way. Like, By the way, I will say, though, uh, I wanted to advocate for this today, and I want to get both your thoughts on this. Amazon, with their setup, they have a al- alternate channel? Yeah, alternate channel for Prime Vision, which shows you an overhead, kind of like the all-22s, but it's from a like sideline angle instead, and it shows you all the routes and everything they're running, and it shows Amazon Next Gen stats and stuff. Like I really like that particular broadcast. Still has the commentators on it. Still has Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, but instead of your traditional broadcast view, it's like an overhead that shows the routes as they happen in real time, which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. I mean, I the the one thing I worry about from a football standpoint, and I'm curious if other people. It, it, there are a lot of things you probably notice, Jimmy, that I want, that I think about, and then I wonder if I'm the only one that thinks it. Th- this show essentially is a three-hour therapy session for me, yeah. where I lay on the couch and I tell everybody what's bothering me, and then I I want to know if it bothers other people or I'm a complete anomaly. Who do I send September's invoice to? Do you know? <laughs> Try to figure out because I need to get paid. Kevin Bowen, <laughs> you can ask him in 25 minutes who he did it to. Um, one of the things that I wonder. I was listening the other day to Dan Orlovsky, who I think is really good on television. I don't know if you've noticed this when he talks. It, it, it looks like he has the biggest hands in the history of the NFL. Have you ever noticed that? I have. That, that That's a big thing is hand size. And then I think about his record as a starter, and I think he probably was drafted on hand size. But 
I, I think he's really knowledgeable. He's really a fun personality. He's really well-spoken. You know, all of those things. But, for example, I'll use the IndyCar analogy. When, if I said to you, if somebody stopped me on the street and they said, hey, Jake, who's going to win the 500 this year? And I said, well, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, I know that like in the wind tunnel, Penske had a really good test and they really found like, you know, felt like they they had some some really good information from the telemetry that they found. And I think they probably are going to be able to run a little bit lighter down force, trim the car out just a little bit in the race more so that's going to, you know, aerodynamically assist them, especially if they get some push or understeer into turn one, they're going to be able to balance that out with a with a quarter turn and three. And so I I, you know, I think Newgarden's got a good chance. I'm going to assume that 98% of the people that I'm talking to would be like, what in the world did you just say? I just asked who's going to win the game, who's going to win the race. I would have captured the last thing you said. New Garden's going to win. That's yeah, what I would have go. got. So I feel like we are entering into an arena, and especially with football analysis, where maybe it's just me because I flunked algebra seven times, and it, it took me at the age of 50, you know, three hours a week with a tutor to finally pass it. But I think a lot of times football analysts get on there and start talking X's and O's and a majority of people listening to it want to pretend they understand what they're talking about. But in reality, they're like, I have no idea what this guy's saying. And I think that people run into a dangerous area of over-talking the audience, but the NFL is the 800-pound gorilla, so people will still consume it even though they have no idea what they're tasting. Yes. You can almost do no wrong with the NFL if you're an analyst. Like you can break it down and talk as exotic as you want, and it probably isn't exotic. It, it is it is play scheme, it's schematics, it, it's different routes, and there's a lot of that that like you know people can pick up on. But some of it, when they start to get really in the weeds, sounds really smart, and I'm sure it's still hitting what a show like you know NFL Live wants. But sometimes it, I think, alienates some of the audience. But not to a point they're going to complain. To your point, Jake, they're just going to be like, "Oh yeah, I know what he's saying there. I get it." I mean, like when you when you see people to your point, and they're talking about a play, and Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew, and by the way, looks like it's going to be Gardner Minshew Sunday versus the Ravens. Nothing, I don't believe, officially stamped just yet. No practice for Richardson today, quote yeah. unquote, trending in that direction, right? Nelson did practice today, though. I don't know if we said that at the top or not, but um, Ryan Kelly. I don't have an official word on Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly did not practice today, so he will also be out. That means you have Wesley French starting at center and uh, Gardner Minshew starting at quarterback with Anthony Richardson not practicing. Kenny Moore did return to the practice field. I have not seen anything on Quentin Nelson yet. I think Nelson probably would be the most likely that you could say. I think Joel had that, by the way. Because, Because Nelson is not a neurological issue, he is the one that, you know, he could probably still play even if he is not practicing. But um, when when you're talking about and you're analyzing plays from Richardson or Orlovsky, or, or excuse me, or Minshew and Orlovsky's talking about or whoever, and they're like, look, they, they throw the out seam um, with the safety over top and then the nickel slides over and he's cheating over here, which means the Sam has to slide to the left. And then as a result of that, that opens up, you know, widget gap. I mean, what percent of people really? And I'm look. I'm the first to admit. I'm raising my hand right now. I'm confessing to everybody as there's a reason I have a CEO and a president because within the company here, all of you are smarter than I. You talk to really good people in business, and what will they tell you? They'll say the most important thing in business is to walk into the boardroom and know that you're the dumbest person in the room. No problem for me. 
guilty as charged, right? I'm the dumbest person here. I know it. Chairman of the board. And and I can – I mean, I obviously know football. Right. I've, I've, been, I've covered enough games. But I just think that we get too far in the weeds sometimes and it loses people. But I'm curious if I'm alone on that. I may be alone on an island, right? I don't think you're completely alone in that. I feel like, though, that for me, like, you would – so, like, there's certain route concepts or, like, routes that receivers can run that I understand. Like, I understand a post route. I understand a fade route. I understand running out to the flat. But the, the one that you were you and I were discussing yesterday was Orlovsky's emphasis on a sale route that was being run. And I can't remember what play it was, but you and I watched a, a, a NFL Live clip the other day. And, like, that's one where it, it kind of has similar – turns to a post route but it also has multiple options on it for the receiver and I only know that because I went and looked it up to make sure I was correct in what I was thinking and that shouldn't have to happen to the NFL fan that's consuming correct content like when you're taught when you're analyzing things you you cannot operate under the assumption that everyone has the nuanced level of of understanding that you do right by the way somebody just sent me a message um and I want to address this hey can we please talk about Captain Andrew Luck um, I made a boardroom decision on the way in here. Sure, it's worth a mention. For those that didn't see it, last night Andrew Luck was at the Niners game and came out dressed as Captain Andrew Luck, the very, 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 very overplayed Twitter account from when he was playing where they had the picture of him like he was a Civil War general sending letters to his mom. Um, and I thought to myself, do we play that audio? And then I thought, and I'm and I'm sorry to disappoint everybody listening. Uh, no, we don't, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't think anybody in Indianapolis dislikes Andrew Luck as a person. If you put truth serum in people, they don't dislike him as a person. But Andrew Luck came out. He's having fun. He looked great. And the first thing he says is, you know, he jokes, "How are you?" And he says, "Great. The war's over." Everybody laughs like it's the funniest thing ever. Because what have I told you? The most famous person is always the funniest in the room. <laughs> so. Then he says, no, I'm doing great. And he looks spectacular and he looks happy and he looks sharp and he looks like a guy that is just loving life. And you know what? People in Indianapolis don't want to hear that. I'm not saying they want him to be miserable by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think anybody as a person dislikes Andrew Luck. But when your girlfriend breaks up with you, the next time that you run into her four years later, you kind of hope she gained 10 pounds and like is dating some guy that she's totally miserable with. Or in this particular situation you would hope there's regret correct there's there's a feeling of man i messed up my point so like you see him and it's like man that guy is happy as a clam he looks physically fit he looks totally put together andrew luck the, the bottom line is this for everybody that wants to go with the incredibly played out lame lazy and for the most part unintellectual narrative that andrew luck is a quitter that quit on his team okay whatever anybody that wants to say that last night it justified his decision andrew luck is doing exactly what andrew luck or any person should be able to do you're an accountant and you don't like your job guess what most people would leave their job if if that was an option if if they were if they're unhappy i'm saying right if you go in to your job and you're driving to work and you realize that it is taking a psychological toll on you to go in every single day and your job says you know what I understand that, but you have $52 million in the bank account. How many people continue driving south on Meridian or north, depending on where you live, right? So these people that are like, but he owed it to his team. People that say that are people that don't have an option within their job, period. Andrew Luck 
his body was giving out on him and his psychological well-being was becoming compromised. And so he had what all of us want, which was an option. And people that resent that are people that don't have an option or tout themselves as loyal because loyalty is usually defined by your number of options, period. And so last night, to to address that is to say this. Deep down, people in Indianapolis should be happy for the guy. They should be happy for him. But independently, for people whose self-worth is tied to, and I get it, to an extent, I'm. this is part of fandom, tied to the success of a franchise, they're disappointed. And so deep down, they kind of wanted to see that Andrew Luck looked like a guy that regretted walking away from the NFL and maybe was thinking about coming back. So when you see that in no way, shape, or form does that appear to be the case, it's a buzzkill. And you go, okay, that's cool for the guy, and you move on. I don't think people want to relive it, though, even though I just did for like three minutes. But does that address it, though? I think it does. I just like... I don't have a dog in the fight. Like I respect his decision. I, we've addressed this before. I didn't grow up a Colts fan, but I love the city. Like I love when teams do well here. But I get I have a lot of close friends that are Colts fans. And the Andrew Luck thing is still a wound that like it's it, it's healed to some extent. But yeah, they don't want to have it rebrought up. They don't want to discuss it. And by all accounts, it appeared to Andrew Luck was pretty content with just a quiet life of not being in the spotlight or anything like that. And I didn't watch the segment, so. I don't know why it happened or if somebody of you through if you two have more clarity on why he was there but like why was he there like why why was he a part of well I think he's there because they're doing a game in San Francisco and he lives in the Bay Area and people want to know what he's doing because he was one of the most high profile quarterbacks in the history of the game and so I'm sure they lined it up for him to be okay. there because he's work he lives in the Santa Clara area you know he's going back to Stanford right um I have always said this about Andrew Luck and people, I remember when I said this the first time and someone's like, I can't believe you'd make that accusation. And I'm like, well, you are insinuating that I'm saying it as a negative. I'm not. I've always believed this about Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck is a genius of an individual. And when Andrew Luck was drafted from day one, from day one, when Andrew Luck was drafted, I remember saying publicly, look, it's wonderful that this is a quarterback that likes to read books about concrete and ride his bike through Europe and go to soccer matches, but be careful the virtues of which you are professing your fondness about your quarterback because at some point those external interests are going to supersede his interest of playing football. And I think he loved playing football, loved it. But he had other interests. It wasn't his life. Andrew Luck wasn't allowing football to define him. He took great pride in being defined by those other things. And once those other things were no longer available to him because of football, then he said, I, it's got to go. When he couldn't go, when Ant, fact, right now, fact, when Andrew Luck was playing for the Indianapolis Colts and was scheduled to go to Europe in the offseason to go do an architectural tour throughout, I think it was Italy and Spain, and couldn't do it because he had a late season injury that forced him to stay in Indianapolis to rehab, that meant that his interests were being superseded by football. And he said, you know what, I've got to evaluate this. And it took him into a dark place emotionally that he, that he, he was intelligent enough to realize he had to walk from i have always said the thing about andrew luck was along with that brilliance came almost a naivety of the way it is perceived by other people and thus he probably didn't even understand or hear the noise about his walking away from the game but last night we saw the vindication and the validation as to why that decision for him was the best one made kevin bowen is next 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Halfway through the 12 o'clock hour already, Jake Query along with Eddie Garrison, Jimmy Cook. It is Query and Company here on 93.5-1075. The fan joining us on the hotline. You hear him, of course, in the mornings. The wake-up call with KB and Andy Kevin Bowen joins us. Kevin, I will get right to the meat of the matter, which I know probably will stun you. Uh, first time I've done that in conversations we've had on the air. But uh, let's let's go with the big three, and you tell me if you believe that we know officially or what the signs are pointing towards in terms of availability for Sunday, beginning with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, official uh, word will come in like the next half hour, but I would say no. I Gardner Minshew, that's my expectation. Okay, and then, boy, I'm going to put the cart way before the horse here, Kevin. Does that in any way, shape, or form even point towards, like, how long this could be? Or do you think – like, in other words, do you think that there might be a a longer multi-week issue here? Or would you say it's more likely this is – I know it's a protocol, so there you have to go within that, but just being cautious as well. Yeah, uh, no, it's totally a fair question. I, I would bet that he plays against the Rams. You know, typically when you see guys with extended absences with concussions, you usually don't see them in this first week. And we saw Richardson in practice every single day. I mean, hell, today he was like getting in a cornerback stance as a DB, trying to help the wideouts with their breaks as he was watching practice, as if he wasn't dressed for practice. So, I mean, if you're a guy that's going to be out multiple weeks or even – Maybe another week, you would not be out in 85-degree heat with the sun beating down you and being exposed to light and loud music and all of that. So I would think all signs – and Ryan Kelly's been in practice the last two days, so I would say good signs on both of those guys returning next week. Okay, so the follow-up question about Richardson would be this, Kevin. Realistically speaking, I know that we want to see Anthony Richardson. I know he's the future, and I know he did some pretty dynamic things before he got hurt and you know some eye-opening things, but – Against Baltimore, especially if it's going to be rainy conditions, etc., which quarterback realistically right now gives the Colts a better chance to win a game right now? Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson? Yeah, I don't I still think it's Richardson, I, especially a game like this where you're going to need to be pretty dynamic. You're going to need, I think, to be pretty multiple. I think with Minshew – um, well, you know, whatever. He might stay away from the big turnover. But, I mean, to be fair to Richardson, it's not like we've seen that outside of the pick with Jacksonville. It, it, to me, it just seems so methodical, death by a thousand paper cuts of Minshew. That's what you need. You need these 10, 12-play drives. And without Richardson, I, I think it's going to be really hard to come by. And, you know, I think when you factor in Ryan Kelly's injury and a third-string center, I mean, Zach Moss is not a game-breaking running back. He's a methodical runner as well. So another reason why I would point to Richardson, uh, you know, obviously Minshew did nice work when he got in the game in Houston. And, I mean, you know, he's had moments certainly as a starter, but I'm pretty sure he's lost like eight of his last nine starts in the NFL. I mean, let, let's not act like, you know, this is whatever, the second coming of, you know, Tom Brady here replacing Bledsoe. I mean, this is something that – I, I still feel from a dynamic standpoint when you lack the playmakers that they do offensively, uh, I'd rather take the uh, the risk-reward with with uh, Richardson than I would Minshew. Kev, I know you just kind of alluded to Ryan Kelly, but so if your gut feeling is on display right now, is he out, in fact, for the matchup against the Ravens? And if he is, in your mind, 
what type of task or caution should be provided with Wesley French getting the nod and pairing up with Gardner Minshew? Yeah, I think it's a bigger loss, Jimmy, in, in the short term for Sunday, Ryan Kelly to Wesley French than Anthony Richardson to Gardner Minshew. I just when you factor in the depth chart. A Sunday will be Wesley French's first ever NFL start. I mean, that's quite the environment to walk into. That's quite the defense to walk into. I mean, the, the, the stat is astonishing to me. If you look at Baltimore's last five home games, they've allowed one touchdown in those five home games. I mean, that's 300 minutes of football. And, sure, the quarterbacks aren't you know all-pro guys by any means that they've played in that stretch, but it's not like you'd label Minshew as an all-pro guy. And then, again, you throw in a third-string center because Danny Penter, of course, is out for the year and his first NFL start. Uh, it's different than when you, I think when you go in during the game, it's not like Houston could have overhauled everything last week in terms of trying to attack that. You know, Baltimore's had pretty much a full week of assuming that Ryan Kelly couldn't go. Um, so I, I do think that's a big loss. Now, positive injury news Kenny Moore was practicing uh, earlier, and I think that's huge because the secondary thought had some issues last week and experience issues, tackling issues. I think Kenny Moore is a sound tackler and has played pretty well. And Zay Flowers is a really dynamic first round pick wide out for Baltimore. So. Um, I do think that's important considering all the injuries for both of these teams. And Baltimore's got much more, many of them, uh, than Indianapolis does. But I thought it was important uh, for Kenny Moore to be back at practice today. Kevin, when when the Colts are, and maybe this isn't an applicable question right now because of the Richardson situation, but you've been around it. You've been at a lot of practices over the years. When you have a young quarterback, and so we'll compare it, say, to like when you were watching when they had Rivers or or even Matt Ryan. When you have a young quarterback, how much of what the Colts are game planning is simply developing that quarterback and coming up with game plan that caters to him as opposed to nuancing the opponent of that week and tailoring an offense towards Baltimore's weaknesses defensively? Are, are they – and again, it's hard to say because Richardson this week hasn't practiced, but – does it seem any different in terms of the way they outline things in terms of like the training wheels offensively in terms of not necessarily getting into what the opponent is providing? Yeah, I think you got to try and mix both of that. And I think they have, like, for example, you go back to week one, they really did not want to throw the ball to the left side of the field against Jacksonville. Tyson Campbell, Jacksonville's top corner, primarily plays on that side of the field, really good young corner. And then sure enough, the one time they did throw to the left side of the field, or one of the very few times, I should say, Campbell picks off the ball to kind of ice that game. So I think that's kind of an area that you see that. Um, they obviously want to have some design runs in there to play to Richardson's strengths. But for the most part, I would say right now, it's been a little bit more from an opponent-centric slash, yes, you want to make sure you're in that Richardson part of the playbook that you know he feels the best at. I know we only saw him for really one quarter on Sunday, but I still am a little surprised through the five quarters he's played. We've yet to really see any deep shots down the field just because I do feel like that not only is a strength of his, I also think it's you know right now one of the only things Alec Pierce has showed the ability to do in the NFL. So I would think that would be something you would want to do and try and kind of wake him up a little bit and just show a defense, hey, you know, particularly last week with Houston, and obviously the injuries played into it, but they were – uh, and Richardson's injury, I mean, you know, but they were missing both their starting safeties and their third stringer got hurt early in that game as well. I think that would have been a, a, an opportunity to kind of test some things down the field. So, yeah, I mean, a little bit opponent-centric. Uh, obviously, the playbook looks much different with Minshew than it would Richardson. 
Um, so probably a, probably a mixture of both. Kevin Bowen's our guest. You know him, 7 to 10 a.m. here on The Fan, the wake-up call with KB and Andy. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070 as our Colts insider on 1075thefan.com. KB, who's your X factor from an offensive standpoint this weekend? You mentioned how stout this Ravens defense appears to be, and there's been questions the last year and a half about this wide receiver room. The hope is with Minshew, it allows them to still grow and develop because he's a competent quarterback. But who, who has the most to gain in this matchup and the biggest playmaker you think for the Colts offense this weekend yeah I hope this isn't a cop-out but I'll say like guys making plays with the ball (laughs) in their hand and and, you know whoever you want to label there maybe it's Michael Pittman you know making some stuff after the catch maybe it's Josh Downs in the open field you know maybe it's one of these tight ends I mean Mo'Ally Cox caught a screen and no one for Houston wanted to tackle him and the one guy that did got concussed on the play so you know, those guys trying to do stuff post-catch, I think, is what I'll be watching for. Because, again, with Minshew, it's getting the ball out quick, finding guys early in routes. I think if you look at last week, he got the ball out, you know, right up. I think it was like top five in the NFL of, of you know, the 30-some quarterbacks that played last week. So, you know that ideally it is a very quick rhythm passing game. Well, that typically means underneath stuff. Um, if I'm not mistaken, too, I think Baltimore against Cincinnati last week – I don't think Burrow had – I don't think he attempted. I know it wasn't any completions over 15 yards. I don't know if he had an attempt past 15 yards down the field. So, expect dink and dunk. And if you're going to do that, I think it's hard to create 12-play, 82-yard drives. So, if that's the case, you're going to have to make some plays after the catch. You know, guys miss tackles, those sorts of things. Colts have really not been that type of team here recently. Um, but there's been a few moments, and by recently I mean like in the last handful of years, but I think there's been some moments this season where you've seen some stuff after the catch from Pittman, from Downs a little bit, from their tight end. So um, I, I I know individually, I don't know if that's like a fantasy football question indirectly, but um, I would just say guys doing stuff on their end and not just relying on Minshew's arm strength per se to set up your big plays. Kevin, I asked um, Jimmy this earlier, so I will ask you. Last night I'm watching – you know, San Francisco looks really good. I think Dallas is really good. And obviously Philly, you know, Jimmy mentioned Philly, who I'd like forgotten about momentarily. But then it seems like there's a fall off in the NFC. You know, the AFC is pretty log jammed. Who do you think is the fourth best? Assuming that you agree those are probably right now the three best teams in the NFC, unless I'm missing somebody, who's the fourth best NFC team? Okay, you said Dallas, Philly, and San Fran, right? Yeah. Those are the three that you went with? Uh, gosh. I mean, it drops off significantly, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, no one, no one I feel confident in saying, you know, none of those NFC South teams I believe in just yet. Um, I don't know. Seattle's a bit intriguing. You know, I think winning at, at Detroit's a nice win. They, they laid a you know, clunker in week one against the Rams. What about the fighting Dr. Motmans? Yeah, I, I should probably say that just in case I ever have any heart issues. Batman will ho- hopefully remember that. <laughs> That's but the yeah, Lions, yeah, by the way. Lion pride, come on, roar, bite kneecaps. <laughs> yeah, I need a Jared Goff jersey. Um, I don't know. That's a good one. Packers, I, I don't, didn't they have won last week? I don't know if I'm ready to go there just yet with Jordan Love. But, I mean, that's a crazy part to not get too far ahead. But, you know, Philly or Dallas, I mean, they're going to open up the playoffs on the road. And they're going to be one of those, like, road wild card playoff teams favored by a touchdown. I, no question. You know, taking on, no question. Taking on the, the eight and nine Falcons in the Georgia Dome. Like, and that, and either crazy. Atlanta or New Orleans or even Tampa is going to host a playoff game. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, are the Commanders at two and all? Yeah. I, some of the you know, Commanders two and all, the Bucks, the Saints. I, I'm just not ready to say. I'm all in on the Commanders, Kevin. Yeah. I'm all in on the Commanders. Daniel Snyder's a puke. He sold the team, and so now they're going to be good. Really? Gosh, is this like your Orioles fandom spilling over here? Well, same area, you know. I mean, the, the, yeah, same. The cute fella, the, the the vibe of the cute fella hat of the Orioles. Who again, cute fella is just saying, "Hey, root for me." The, it, it carries over into the D.C. area to the Commanders, right? The, the Commanders thing is only the second craziest thing that's been said today on the show. In the last three years, the Commanders have gotten rid of Daniel Snyder and Carson Wentz. What the hell is there not to like? That's a fair point, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a lot of times I've uh, looked at you and thought, what the hell did you just say? But that comment's maybe one of your more brilliant ones. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, and then next is going to be the name. Apparently they're changing that again. So, you know, although the Commanders is kind of cool. Is uh, Saturday night, is that one of those games that you want the media to strike Ohio State and Notre Dame? Oh, man, you oh, stole my segue. No you stole question. my segue. No God. question, Kevin. I mean, listen. Kev, I'm going, so it can't strike. I'm, I'll lose my life there. Don't let that happen, please. Well, we'll we'll give you fair warning. How's that? Okay, good. Uh, the, the good news for me, Kevin, is Sunday morning I'm going to wake up and either Ohio State or Notre Dame got beat. The bad news is I'm going to wake up and one of the two of them is going to be on a fast track towards the playoffs, Woo! right? Which one's it going to be? I'd like to think I'm talking with my head here and I feel good about Notre Dame. I mean, I, obviously last year I felt like – I mean, it was C.J. Stroud versus Tyler Buckner and Notre Dame had a chance to win that game in the fourth quarter on the road. Like, I mean, and now you can, I hope I'm accurate in this, you can make the argument it's kind of reverse in terms of Sam Hartman and Kyle McCord. But I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, when they've beaten Clemson the last couple of times, it's been, you know, a big time special teams play, a big time pick six, things like that. It's hard to just assume that they're going to have one of those. So I still think Notre Dame, just quarterback running back combo. The fact that it's at home, it's McCord's first real road start. Sorry, I don't. Memorial Stadium in Bloomington is that. Um, I will go with Notre Dame. I really hope I'm talking with my head. I, you know what? I do like Hartman. I watched him at Wake. He's a he's a he's a. You got to respect him, man. He's a good player, no question. He's got he's just he's a gutsy player, but he's a smart quarterback. He's got a good arm. I mean, he's he is. I got no problem with the fact that he's playing well for Notre Dame because I enjoyed him at Wake and I thought he had some some situations where he carried that team, but. Um, and, and Jimmy knows this, like these matchups. I mean, when Notre Dame made the playoffs, they've made the playoffs with Ian Book, Everett Golson, and Tommy Reese. Like, it, it's not like they've ever made the playoffs with some bona fide quarterback. And here, you know, you, you, you theoretically have that, or at least in this matchup, you should have the disparity. But we'll see. Kev, I'm going to go to South Bend. I'm going to bring you back a W, my friend. You have a great weekend. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. Storm the field. <laughs> yeah, all right. I don't know about that. Appreciate you. See you, boys. All right, Kevin Bowen joining us uh, on the program. It is a huge slate of college games, and that's why we dipped into one of the best when it comes to covering college athletics. Pat Forty, and he's going to join us in 15. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Since we were just talking about the big college football weekend, if you guys had to choose which college football like atmosphere would you think would be the best? Like of all the programs in college football, which one would be if you could pick one? 
You I mean, the, Robin the genie comes out of the bottle and says, you have rescued me, so I'm going to send you to any college football game of your choice to go and, and soak in the atmosphere. You go with who? So I'm going to say something I haven't, like a place I haven't been, because I've been to Notre Dame and I want to take the bias out of it because I think the atmosphere at Notre Dame, I would I would put it up there with anybody. Ooh. But I would say Yeesh. I understand. And there's, that's probably major homerism by me. I apologize. but I, Notre, Notre Dame is an unbelievable environment, tradition, all of that. In terms of like the tailgate party atmosphere, it it's... I would want to go... I would not put it up there. I would want to go to a Bama-Auburn game at Bama. Okay. Eddie? LSU. I think LSU would be really high Alabama on the list. Alabama at LSU. Yeah, LSU would be really high on the list. I. And honestly, I'd even throw honorable mention to Wisconsin at Camp Randall for yeah, jump around. Bad. And then Virginia Tech night game. Vodka uh, could be good. Yep. And then uh, Penn State. An all whiteout Penn State I, game. Um, one of the more impressive things I've ever seen was the year that they retired Manning's jersey at Tennessee. I went to go cover that game with Otis Jones and I was walking you know basically we were there just for the halftime so like the game itself I just walked around soaked in the atmosphere it was a night game Tennessee hosting South Carolina and I will say uh, it and an atmosphere at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville I mean it was super cool it was awesome um, but I saw up on the upper walkway which is like five stories up um, a girl whose friend was nice enough to hold her hair back, puking over the the ledge of the walkway, so she was doing basically a five foot vomit plunge once it, <laughs> which is impressive. I I thought to myself, I hope I did not park the car down there, right? Yeah, but uh, but it was a pretty awesome atmosphere. <laughs> but I think Eddie, I think you're right. LSU to me, I mean, I've been to Clemson a gabillion times, and it's pretty awesome. I've been to Tennessee. I've been to an Alabama game. Um, SC is a great tradition, but I don't know that it's a great atmosphere necessarily, you know, out in L.A. So I would say maybe we'll just go, Eddie. Let's just go to Baton Rouge. You want to go to Baton Rouge? Sure. Okay. You know why it's called Baton Rouge, don't you? No. I'll explain later, but Pat Forty's next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Here we go, Camp Randall, Wisconsin. Right, Eddie? Indeed. I have a trivia question for you while you're jumping around. You ready? What you is have it? A, you have a connection to our next guest. What is it? No idea. Where did you just vacation? I went to Colorado. Where in Colorado? I went to Colorado Springs. It is my understanding perhaps you could have seen the monument that was erected for the birthplace of our next guest. Pat Forty from Sports <laughs> Illustrated joins us now. Pat, am I correct in that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, just a little bit smaller than the Washington Monument. <laughs> um, I was a little put off by that. But That's they right. did their best. I guess the, the, the real question would be, so Colorado Springs – I'm trying to think. Is CSU in Colorado Springs? I know the Air Force Academy is in Colorado Springs. Uh, Colorado yeah. State Fort is Collins. Fort Collins. That's right. Okay. Yep. And then yep. Greeley is the University of Northern Colorado, right? You got it. University yep. of No Credit. Okay. Um, <laughs> Pat, huge weekend in college football. And let's begin with the one that we were just talking about. And I appreciate your time, by the way, for joining us here on the show. Um, Notre Dame and Ohio State is is the big one here. And around here, obviously, Jimmy, amongst others, I know you're rooting for Notre Dame, Jimmy. Indeed. Pat, you see this game going which way? Are these two teams equivalents, or is one of the two, and I don't know which it would be, 
uh, resting on laurels to this point? Well, you know, I think it's hard to say, given the competition. But we're going to find out Saturday night. Uh, I think Notre Dame can win, should win, perhaps. Uh, You know, I think this is uh, one of the better Notre Dame teams we've seen in the last few years and probably not a great Ohio State team. Uh, You know, I think Sam Hartman elevates uh, Notre Dame's offense to a place it hasn't been in a long time. Uh, I've been saying that I think he's the best quarterback at Notre Dame since Joe Montana. Um, if you go back and look, it sounds crazy, but the competition isn't that tough. It's like Rick Meyer, Tony Rice, who ran the option very well, uh, Jimmy Clausen, and Brady Quinn. And I, Sam Hartman's thrown for over 13,000 yards in his college career. He's off to a great start there. And I think he's a difference maker uh, for Notre Dame that maybe does more than equal the playing field with, uh, with Ohio State's talent. You know, that kind of illuminates or, or, or sheds light on the point that, that to me is the most fascinating, Pat, about this season. And this is probably where we're headed now in college athletics. But, you know, Hartman, a transfer, obviously. The portal seems to have changed things and, and balanced out, I think, a lot of teams. So I'll ask you the question I've asked a couple people this week. What would you put as the over-under on the total number of losses that will be represented amongst the four playoff teams this year? Mm, good question, because I do agree that I think it's a little more balanced field. Um, the thing is, gosh, uh, Georgia doesn't play anybody, so I think they can get through undefeated, even though they, they would have a difficult matchup in an SEC championship game, at least in theory. And, of course, theoretically, um, they could drop that game and still get in if they're undefeated, yeah, right? right, yeah, if, they're, yeah. if they're number one. Um, probably so, but I think, I think the big 10 winner is likely to lose a game. Um, I think, uh, the PAC 12 is absolutely, they're going to lose games out there because the, uh, the balance and and the quality of teams. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to say that at most we have one undefeated team, maybe the other, maybe the other three have one loss, but maybe for the first time we have a two loss. I was going to say, I think there could be a two loss team in there. I, you know, you even look at, for example, this is what I was saying, Pat, and I, and I want your thoughts on this about the Notre Dame, for example. Notre Dame really needs Clemson to be to, to bounce back and maybe even beat Florida State because I think for, for Notre Dame, when you've got USC and Ohio State, if you can beat Clemson and Clemson has a shadow of real Clemson, then that offsets one of those two if you were to drop one of those two games or even drop two of them. But but you need Clemson to be good. I mean, I, I would think that Florida State Clemson game is critical for Notre Dame's shot. But your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I like if you're Notre Dame, especially like if I mean if you win Saturday, boy, you've taken a big step towards everything. But you're rooting then for both Clemson and USC to continue to be good all year, so that those games mean something, especially if you win, but also even if you lose, it doesn't necessarily uh, disqualify you. So without the, you know, the 13th data point that they uh, harumph about with Notre Dame not having conference championship game and those sort of things, you want all, you want all the cushion you can get, you know, take all the arguments that the committee may have against you out of play uh, if possible. That, I mean, the easiest way is to go 12 and 0, but even if you go 11 and 1 and you've, You've played some good teams, three really good teams, and maybe some others that are pretty good. That would really help you. Pat Forty joins us. You know him from Sports Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter at Pat Forty. Pat, how much of Saturday for Notre Dame comes down to containing Marvin Harrison Jr.? 
Well, it does for sure. I mean, you know, if he has 210 yards and three touchdowns or four touchdowns, it's probably not going to end well for Notre Dame. Um, you know, Notre Dame's secondary is good. Uh, they've got guys. They, they, you know, they. I think that they can rush the passer. They don't get a lot of sacks necessarily, but they they can get in the backfield, disrupt. Um, I had the stats in my column this week. I've, Five interceptions, like 15 or 16 pass breakups. Uh, so, you know, they are a disruptive pass defense. They're, they're number one in the nation right now in pass efficiency defense, but let's be honest about who they've played. You know, Navy doesn't know how to throw the ball. Tennessee State is an FCS team, uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, this will be a huge step up. And if, if Marvin Harrison goes off on you, you could maybe still survive as long as nobody else is going off on you as well. You know, Pat, it's interesting because Pat Forty's our guest, by the way. You can read his work at SI.com, including latest articles about this weekend's big games. College football's favorite darling and Lane Kiffin is one of those that he has written about in the last week. Um, Pat, separation Saturday usually, it, it seems to me, to use that term, is usually a little bit later in the season. But here we are early on. I mean, this seems to me, Pat, to be as, as full of a slate of games that really can kind of separate and be bolder in the stream for teams that I remember this early on. Um, Notre Dame, Ohio State is going to be the big one. Give me a couple other games that really wet your whistle that you go, yeah, that that can have serious implications. Yeah, I mean, there's at least seven. <laughs> I mean, it's loaded. I agree that we don't usually get a slate like this in September. Uh, obviously, Oregon, Colorado is fascinating. I think we get a little bit of a reality check for Colorado this weekend. Um, I think Oregon could smoke them, but you know Oregon's good too. So let's see how 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 Oregon looks. Um, Utah UCLA, very good game. Iowa Penn State, that's a root canal game for Penn State, especially you know there's I think the, like a fifty percent chance of rain. If it's going to rain a lot, that that's just more advantage Iowa for turning it into a field position slog. Um, Let's see, Clemson, Florida State. Yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, what else am I missing? I'm not sure, but uh, it is it is a fantastic uh, slate of games. Uh, even you know beyond that, some other games that don't necessarily match up two 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 ranked teams. But uh, there's a lot going on that will help us get a clearer picture of where this is all going. Is and I'm going to ask this maybe personally, but I do think that it has some national implication, as we talked about with Notre Dame, for example. Um, my concern, Pat, I'm a open disclaimer. I am a Clemson football fan. Okay. That that's the team that I go and I watch their games. I go to the stadium, etc. But I worry that Clemson is sliding back. Water's finding its level in Clemson because it's a program that has not adapted to college football in 2023. And by that, I mean, transfer portal, open NIL, etc. And that Dabo Sweeney was a little late to the game and it's hurt them in that regard. Is there some truth to that, or did we is Duke better than we thought? Well, I do think Duke's pretty good, but there's absolutely truth to that. This is not the Clemson of 2018, that's for sure, or 17, 16, 15. You know, they had that preposterous run of great teams, really, you know, through Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Um, but that's not where they are right now. Um, gosh, where are the wide receivers? Uh, quarterback Klubnik may still – become the guy he was touted to be, but he makes a lot of mistakes right now. Um, offensive line is just an offensive line. Defense is pretty good, I think, but you know, can they, can they overcome the amount of mistakes they make, and do they have the talent to match up with Florida State and with Notre Dame and some other people on their schedule? So, yeah, no, Dabo, 
absolutely too stubborn for his own good. And the way he's run his program, I mean, look, it's worked. It's been a hallmark of consistency, but at some point consistency becomes outdated. Continuity becomes outdated. And, you know, he kept hiring from within. Uh, yes, as you said, didn't get into the portal, reluctant to fully embrace NIL. And we've seen what's happened all around him. So uh, Clemson has definitely taken a step back. So the antithesis of all of that, and it's obviously working, would be what Deion Sanders has done at Colorado and what he has meant to college football in general. So, Pat Forty, question for you, for me, is this about the the Deion Sanders Colorado thing? Is that going to be the? It's a copycat game. Are other schools now going to be open towards trying to find dynamic? Eddie had mentioned yesterday, Ocho Cinco type guys. Guys that are dynamic, have a swagger about them that kids are going to buy into and give more a chance than simply going back and getting like retread coordinators from Alabama for their head coaching opening. Yeah, I'm, I'm wary of that. You know, I think Deion Sanders is one of one. I don't think you can, you can copycat Deion Sanders. It's pretty hard uh, to argue that, yeah. You know, he is just – he is an incredible force of personality – uh, he's extremely intelligent. He understands how to market and sell better than anybody in college football. Uh, and he's hired a good staff, and like they're they're coaching him. You know, they're doing a good job. Um, so I don't think you go. You can just say, "Oh yeah, you know what? Let's find a popular former NFL star and make him a head football coach," and say that's going to work. You know, I mean, to Dion's credit, and he said this. You know, he put in two or three years at Jackson State and did a great job. And then he was a high school coach and he was a, you know, a seven on seven kind of coach. I mean, he was at least around the game and put in some work there so that, you know, he didn't just come parachuting out of the TV studio or out of retirement and say, Hey, I'd like to coach, you know? So he's uh, put in some sweat equity, uh, I think to build himself to where he is. The other thing about him that's so unique, Pat, is, and this is very easy for me to forget because I'm, you know, 51 years old now. It's been a long time since he played, but yet almost any high school kid knows and and is aware of and is touched by the magnetism of Deion Sanders. His star still burns very bright, whereas in today's culture, typically people are a star for like three years and then they're completely forgotten about. Like, I think people forget. I hear Indiana basketball fans, you know, that are like, man, how much does it mean for Mike Woodson to walk? And I'm like, look, Mike Woodson has more cachet with a kid because he coached in the NBA within yeah. the last 10 years than the fact that he was the 1980 starter for Indiana's basketball team. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. But, yes, Dion has enduring name recognition and star power. Um, he was an incredibly unique player, arguably the best cover corner we've ever seen, an electrifying kick returner a baseball player at the same time, um, flashy as hell. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> the stuff that he wore and did at Florida State, you know, Bobby Bowden was a great coach for him because Bobby's like, I don't care as long as we, you win, and he did. But, you know, there, again, he is one of one. There has just not been anybody else like him out there, and that's one of the reasons that he can still have that, uh, that connection with people, young people, at age 56. Other thing, and then we'll end the Colorado talk because it's become obviously ubiquitous, but I said a couple weeks ago, Pat, I want your thought on this. Pat Forty of SI is our guest. I keep hearing people talk about where Deion Sanders is going to go from here, 
and Florida State's got a fine young football coach. I, I think they did a great job in going kind of outside and finding a guy that really has the Seminoles in the right direction. So it doesn't look like they're going to be, you know, in need anytime soon. Deion Sanders has been open about the fact of like, hey, man, my degree's from an HBCU. It's not even from Florida State. There's no reason for him to leave Colorado, is there? If he wants to stay in the college game, can't he build Colorado right back to Bill McCartney, Colorado, and not even have to leave Boulder? I think so. Uh, he can at least try, and I think he's willing to try. You know, I don't get the feeling like he'll hold Colorado for for ransom here at the end of the season if they're like eight and four. Oh yeah, uh, and he will double his salary from five point five to ten or eleven. Um, but I don't think he wants to go. I think he wants to stay there and coach his kids. Um, and I think you can do a lot at Colorado. It's been proven they've won national championship in the past. Weird year, nineteen ninety, but they did it. Um, so you know. It, do you want to do that? Or yes, do you want to go try to recreate the wheel somewhere else? I think as long as Colorado is, you know, quote unquote, aligned, as coaches like to say, in terms of NIL funding, collectives, uh, facilities, and paying Dion, then I think he's perfectly willing to, to give it a go there. One of the best covering college athletics, Pat Forty, is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at ByPat40 and find his work. Great coverage leading up to a monster weekend in college football and sports. Illustrated. Pat, is this Lane Kiffin's last best chance to best Saban? Um, I don't know. I think he's going to have a lot of chances to beat Saban as long as Saban stays on the job. Because I think Nick Saban's in decline. Um, you know, I think I think he's past uh, peak Nick Saban by a good ways, and we won't see him win another national title. Now, does Saban want to keep coaching? I don't know how long. You know, but uh, Kiffin, this is just this is an opportunity to do it. Like. Alabama isn't very good. Mississippi's pretty good. Uh, this is your chance to beat the guy you haven't been able to beat, the biggest bully on the block in the SEC West. Uh, you know, are you mature enough as a coach to go in, have your team ready, handle yourself, handle your business, and win the game in Tuscaloosa? That's the big question. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily his window closing at Mississippi, but this is a voice, this is a golden opportunity sitting right there on a platter for him. Pat, last question for me before we get to what upcoming things people can read from you on SI. We were just talking about great college football environments. Obviously, everyone knows, you know, SEC schools at night, Notre Dame, Clemson, you know, some of the Colorado, for that matter, probably is pretty good right now. Give me a a program or a, a game or a stadium that you and your travels and your coverage have visited that people actually would be surprised that it's a fabulous environment that everybody should do once, but they wouldn't think of it because it's not necessarily a superpower. Yeah, right. Um, well, Penn State's pretty obvious, so but uh, I would mention them in there as well. But the one that jumps out to me, I, I was his Nippert at Cincinnati. It's like 39,000 seats. It's tucked into campus. When they're good, they really get rocking there. Um, it's just a naturally noisy venue. And it's a cool little environment. Um, so, you know, they've got Oklahoma coming in there tomorrow. Cincinnati kind of dropped the ball last week, losing to Miami of Ohio. That would have been another, like, pretty big game uh, for their first Big 12 game, have Oklahoma coming in there. So I would imagine they're going to have a very good environment for that one. Lastly, give me a couple of upcoming columns that we can read from Pat Forty on SI. Well, let's see. I had one uh, yesterday that for, for some of your local audience, they're just like, comparing uh, – Marcus Freeman and Ryan Day, two guys that were promoted from within at schools that don't normally do that. Can Marcus Freeman 
do as well as Brian Kelly? Can Ryan Day do as well as Urban Meyer? Uh, this game is a big one for both those guys, I think. Um, got the, the story on Kiffin, um, a 40-yard dash this week. We talked about all seven of the big games in that, um, about petulant coaches who uh, are instigators, and, uh, and then obviously a, a lot of prime, Coach Prime out there. Well, just make sure if you have to cover USC, you don't do anything to upset the apple cart out there, right? They'll ban you in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pat, we appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we look forward to the coverage. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, that's Pat Forty joining us on the hotline here. Um, again, you know, good stuff and great games this week. I mean, you literally, you just sit back and, you know, you start out with which what's game number one on the slate for you? Here's who you got. You got Auburn, Texas A&M. These are the, the, the noon kicks on ESPN. On ABC, you've got Florida State, Clemson. ESPN 2, you got Vatek and Marshall. Um, and... Fox, you've got Oklahoma at Cincinnati, ACC Network, Army at Syracuse, and uh, SEC Network, Kentucky at Vanderbilt. Of those, get Rutgers at Michigan, by the way, on the Big Ten Network. Of those games, Eddie Garrison, the one you're watching is? I'm probably going with Florida State Clemson because I like, I like Jordan Travis. Keeping that CEO... Excuse me? I like Jordan Travis for Florida State and... <laughs> he was close! Hold he on. was so close, Jake. He was so close. He didn't stick the landing, Mike, though. Mike, here's what just stuns me. <laughs> I just said I like the player. I don't like the team. Here's what stuns me. Like, I, I've, I've pseudo-invited you, you. Finish! Listen. Listen, let me tell you something, okay? There are people that would pay thousands of dollars at charity fundraisers to be able to enjoy the Jake Query Clemson weekend experience. I've pseudo offered this to you, and yet you're sitting here telling me about how you can't wait to put on your Florida State jersey to watch their quarterback go against Clemson in a home game that Clemson has to have. Clemson loses this game, done over with. You didn't even let Hello me Motor City my Bowl. Sentence. And yet, and yeah, I'm saying you to you, you messed up the sentence. The I mean, Clemson no, part should no, have been at the start, no, and no. then the Florida State. Do you realize? Do you realize the the experience at your fingertips that now is like sands in the hourglass it's just pouring <laughs> right through the crevices there of your hand right there i mean i right now crispy do you know crispy crispy chicken yes Cri- crispy at least crispy and caleb crispy and caleb text me somewhere between 17 and 30 times an hour asking if they can go to clemson games and I always have a convenient excuse. You, on the other hand, I pseudo-invite, and what do you do? You talk about how you're rooting against them. That's cool. I was not well, saying I was rooting against them. All you, I said was, is I like the quarterback, Jordan Travis, mm-hmm. and then I was going to say, I really like the game of Will Shipley. you like Shipley. him because he's a guy with two first names? Yes. Okay. Big fan of two-first-name guy. Okay. But no, All right. I really like that game, and I think the environment should be really good. Jimmy, the slate of afternoon games tomorrow. Colorado at Oregon. These are the 330 kicks. Colorado at Oregon. Ole Miss at Alabama. That's on CBS. ESPN 2's got Miami at Temple. Big Ten Network has Florida Atlantic at Illinois. NBC has Maryland at Michigan State. Which of those games are you going with? Colorado, Oregon. It's it, okay. it, oh, I know we've we've joked about the ad nauseum of Coach Prime even in games they're you not call playing. Call Deion in. Sanders. It's okay. I, I, oh, I was going to get there, but I was for Deion Sanders in Colorado, right. but... There's a lot of this is a shift now for Colorado, an awakening for them. They're 21 point underdogs. I get it. They're on the road. Oregon's a good team, but this is a is this team for real this year type of moment. Not to say they couldn't be for real for whatever Deion Sanders builds over there, but this is a are they for real this year type of game. I think 21 is a bit too high. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. 
and I locked into that game. Yeah. Okay, your primetime games, and I don't mean Deion Sanders. Arkansas at LSU, that's a 7 o'clock kick. Uh, kick. Fox has Oregon State at Washington State. That's the We Got Left Out Bowl. Um, <laughs> the SEC Network has Charlotte at Florida. ESPN2, UAB at Georgia. And the Big Ten Network, I'm looking here to see who the BTN has on late, if they even have one. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Akron and Indiana. And then Ohio State at, at Notre Dame. That's pretty obvious which one you're going with there, right? Yeah, I'm going to be at one of those. So, you know, outside of following the Indiana-Akron matchup, see how things are going for the Hoosiers, I'm locked into IU, or I'm locked into Notre Dame-Ohio State. Eddie, I'm assuming you're going to be watching Ohio State-Notre Dame as well, right? I will be, yes. And if Jimmy had invited you to the game, you'd be wearing an Ohio State jersey, apparently. Oh, right? God, Being Marvin no, Harris, Harrison no, Jr. fan. No. All right, well. just, I just, I'm just telling you, I really like him. By the way, if you're just joining us, Anthony Richardson not practicing today. Looks like he will not be playing for the Colts against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Same holds true for Ryan Kelly, the center for the Colts. Looks like he is not going to be there, but uh, Quentin Nelson trending towards playing, right? It appears that way. Nate Atkins said, mentioned that he saw Quentin Nelson out there back to practice after missing the last two days of toe injury. So that is the big story, the fact that Anthony Richardson, it looks like it's going to be Gardner Minshew. Our predictions will be up later today on the station website in in terms of what that means. I don't know necessarily that, you know, Gardner Minshew is not a huge step back. It's just a little bit different. Does appear to be rainy conditions in Baltimore on Sunday. Ohio State, Notre Dame. We'll talk more about that because Tom Noy is next. Look up. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I've been to South Bend for many a game. I've seen Notre Dame-Purdue. I've been to a couple Notre Dame-USC games, albeit towards the middle 2000s where those games weren't close. And usually you were satisfied with the idea that you kept the game close. That's not the feel this weekend. Notre Dame, Ohio State, at South Bend, at Notre Dame Stadium. Who better to have on to get us ready than Tom Noy of the South Bend Tribune, one of our favorites. Tom, is that good enough buildup for the matchup? Does it warrant it? And how are you doing? You lost me at Notre Dame-Purdue, my man. (laughs) This this, this is not Notre Dame-Purdue. It could be close to Notre Dame-USC, but it's, it's nice to have a big build up to this game being the fifth game of the year and not last year when these two teams are playing in Columbus and Notre Dame has no shot to going over there and winning. It's a little different feel for myriad reasons for this Notre Dame football program right now around town. You know, the interesting thing about it is a, a year ago, to your point, the, the chasm between the two programs, certainly at least in perception, was, I wouldn't say huge, but it was notable between Ohio State and Notre Dame. It feels like that's shifted, Tom. Like, it feels like right now... For this particular installment, I think Ohio State, obviously, Ryan Day's got a great thing going there, but it feels like Ohio State isn't vintage Ohio State maybe this year just yet, and Notre Dame is is running at a really good pace. But do we truly know yet who Notre Dame is, or is this the weekend we find out? This is the weekend we have to find out. Like, And Marcus Freeman and the players have said the previous four weeks, whether it was Navy or Tennessee State, or even at North Carolina State when things got a little wacky with the weather and everything. And then last week against Central Michigan, they have said after every single game, we have not played to our potential. We have not seen who we can be as a, as a, 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 a collective unit from week one to week 12. This is something that they've been building toward, the way the schedule was set up, 
with those first four games to be peaking at the right moment against Ohio State to where they go out and they play, and who knows, they win, they lose, whoever, whatever happens. But you look at that game tomorrow night at the stadium and you say, that's what this Notre Dame team could be in 2023. Tom, for neutrals watching this matchup, what, as you've seen them so far through the first four weeks or four games for them of the season, what what is the true identity of this Notre Dame team? Is the fact that they have a quarterback now in Sam Hartman? Is it the traditional Irish running game? Is their defense? Where would you identify to those that maybe don't have a dog in the fight but are locked in to watch it, what this Notre Dame team is? Your father's Notre Dame fan will say, oh, it's the running game with the offensive line and Audric Destiné. And it's the fact that they're, they're, they're the number one pass efficiency defense in the country. All that stuff is fine and good. But as I wrote this week in, in the South Bend Tribune, nothing happens with this program this year, whatever happens tomorrow night, whatever happens the rest of the way, without Sam Hartman. Like the difference in this Notre Dame team, the difference that, that people feel good about this Notre Dame team going into playing Ohio State as opposed to last year is they finally have a quarterback. And this is the reason they decided last year when they're watching them play Ohio State, when they're watching Notre Dame get shredded against USC out at the Coliseum over Thanksgiving weekend, Marcus Freeman and his staff said, look, if we're going to be elite, we need to go get ourselves an elite quarterback. And to have Sam Hartman here, this is the reason they brought him here. And, and he is the reason that the Irish fans are saying, you know what? Ohio State, we got a pretty good shot tomorrow night. Tom, the... The thing about Marcus Freeman that is intriguing, you know, th- this is a guy that that's, he looks the part, right? I mean, you you watch him when he was first tabbed is you know essentially the interim coach. When, when and I can't remember if there was an interim process with Brian Kelly if he was named right away. He might have been named right away. And my apologies for not remembering that exactly, but um, you could tell players immediately rallied around this guy, and you know, and now obviously there there is more solidarity of the fact that Marcus it took a while right to realize Marcus Freeman's the coach of Notre Dame is he a different coach has he changed or evolved or matured at all or was it basically the way he was on day one is the way they're running things right now he's a little different than last season but then again you have to be because this job changes you like last year he and this program he he had to he had to go through the game at Marshall where they were against Marshall where they lost he had to go against the, and, and experience the game against Stanford, where they lost, and they shouldn't have, should have no business losing to Stanford. Like that, that molds you as a coach. Like again, Marcus Freeman never has had gone through that before last season, so he didn't understand the job. He didn't understand what it was like to be a head coach. Now that he does, I think you're seeing more and more his identity rub off on his team. And even his players said this week, like. Like, they, they understand what Coach Free is about. Last year they didn't. It was like, hey, he was the, he's a former D coordinator. He's a player's coach. He's a hell of a guy. But what kind of head coach is he going to be? Like, they've been able to find that out through this process, and I think it's, it's taken this buildup of going 9-4 and four last year and then going 4-0 and oh this year for Marcus Freeman to get this program and even get himself into a position to where they're looking at Ohio State and they're saying, we should win this football game. Long-time knower and writer of all things Notre Dame Athletics for the South Bend Tribune, Tom Noy, taking some time with us here on Query and Company. Tom, Notre Dame gets three starters back this week, linebacker J.D. Bertrand, safety D.J. Brown, and tight end Mitchell Evans. How big are those returnees for Notre Dame this week, or was it one of those things where 
they are at a point offensively with where they're built and defensively where they're built that it's nice, but they're, they would have been okay without them. Mitchell Evans is their best blocking tight end. So against a team like Ohio State, and, and if you're going to run the ball and you're going to run on our estimate, you better have Mitchell Evans there blowing open some holes there on, against the, the Ohio State defense. So he was key. And really, I think J.D. Bertrand, you looked at some of the some of the leakage that they had last week against Central Michigan as far as tackling, as far as finishing plays defensively. That was caused because J.D. Bertrand was on the sideline. He changes things, and, and he changes the way this defense approaches stuff. He has all the calls. He knows everybody's assignment. And to an extent, B.J. Brown, too. So to have those three guys back, Notre Dame could not be in any better position from a health standpoint going into this game on Saturday because all their key guys, even Sam Hartman, who tweaked his knee last week against Central Michigan, where the entire season flashed before everybody's eyes, everybody that needs to be healthy for Notre Dame is healthy. Tom, we're going to get into the DeLorean here, and with 1.21 gigawatts, <laughs> we're going to go to the future to Sunday, okay? I go online, immediately pull up your column, your game column for Notre Dame and Ohio State, and it I see at the, the very top the headline, Notre Dame knocks off Ohio State, and I'm reading your column. The very opening statement is going to say that Notre Dame defeated Ohio State because they were able to successfully do what and don't say score more points. <laughs> uh, successfully play their type of football game and to unleash Sam Hartman. Like, again, it cannot be overstated enough, guys. Sam Hartman is the biggest difference that Notre Dame has a chance tomorrow night. And if Notre Dame wins tomorrow night, Sam Hartman, this is going to be his first step to possibly winning the Heisman Trophy and getting on that bullet train because if Notre Dame wins this game, watch out. Buckle up because this thing's going to take off like a rocket. Sam Hartman will be the difference. Sam Hartman has to be in my lead on Sunday morning when I write that column. Okay, now the other side of it. I go to South Bend Tribune. I read your column. It says, Ohio State upends Notre Dame on the road. The first paragraph is going to say, because Ohio State did what? And don't say scored more points. Not necessarily what Ohio State did. It's what Notre Dame didn't do, and that's answer the moment. I wrote earlier this week, if not tomorrow, then when for this program? Like, yeah, I know they beat Clemson last year, but now we see that Clemson's a little bit down. It's not the Clemson of old. Oh, they beat Clemson in 2020 when Clemson was the number one team in the country. That was a wacky, weird type of strange night because it was COVID. There are only 11,000 fans in the stands. Like, this is... This is the moment that they've pointed to with Marcus Freeman to get them over that proverbial talent gap hump where you can't beat Alabama, you can't beat Georgia, you can't beat Ohio State last year. This is their moment, and I think I I would be really surprised, maybe even stunned, if they don't answer that moment and they play Notre Dame football and they're standing there on Sunday morning when this game finally ends on Saturday and they're 5-0. Tom, last thing I have for you. Will there be more or less red than there was for the Georgia game? There will be way less. I think they've done a better job. Remember, when they played that Georgia game, Jimmy, Notre Dame was coming off a 4-8 and eight season. People were down on Notre Dame football. Why come see Georgia? Georgia wasn't Georgia at that point. They're like, bring an SEC team up here for a, for a night game. Here, you can have my tickets. If you're going to give me $4,000 for a pair of tickets or three tickets, whatever it was, here, take my tickets. The juice, the excitement, the energy is totally different now that Notre Dame's 4-0, and I can hopefully, from a standpoint of not seeing a sea of red again tomorrow night, hopefully the Notre Dame fans are saying, you know what, we're keeping these tickets. 
send the Ohio State fans to the linebacker to watch this thing. Bucks and Irish tomorrow night. Tom, appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you again. You're the man, Tom. You got it. You got it, fellas. Have a great weekend. Uh, by the way, officially now, and it actually was about 30 minutes ago, officially Anthony Richardson out for Sunday. So it will be Gardner Minshew against the Baltimore Ravens. Beth Moans will be on that call. We'll talk to her coming up in just under an hour. But, uh, Jimmy, not a huge surprise, obviously, that Anthony Richardson is not going to go here in week number two. I guess the question for fans would be this, and I'm curious for our listening audience, does that now, do people start going down a rabbit hole of like, here we go, big, mobile, strong quarterback, but what are they going to be able to do to keep him healthy? And are we getting ready to go down a road that we are way too familiar with and uncomfortable with? Look, here's what I think of when I think of injury prone quarterbacks. I think of guys that like just keep having knee injuries or they keep having like back injuries or shoulder injuries that are just like, on the one hand, you're like, well, you can't prevent injuries from totally happening. But on the other hand, if you are perpetually hurt over multiple years, then you start to think, well, that guy could have been good, but he couldn't stay healthy. Right. Concussions are always going to be a risk in football, even if they bring out the, the guardian caps like you joked about earlier in the week. They're always going to be a part of football. It was a freak accident type of hit in terms of the way his head hit the turf. It was a freak except for that he didn't – he was – he slowed up, not aware that there was a defender about to make a, a hit sure, on him. Sure, and that's he's a rookie quarterback. I, you think you learn from it? No, I, the proper response is not. Here we go again. He's just going to be a, a China doll type player, and he's never going to be able to stay healthy. He's going to break all the time. That, that's not the thought that I would have if I'm a Colts fan. If I'm Anthony, if I'm rooting for Anthony Richardson, I get the reason to do it because of the last franchise quarterback and how things ended. We're not in that territory right now. We're not even in the parking lot to that territory, other than it's coincidental now that two weeks in a row he's had some form of injury that hasn't let him play the whole game, and now in this case makes him miss a game. I, I do think that there is going to be, and it's interesting because you haven't really seen this with Jalen Hurts. You know, if you're going off of the Shane Steichen style offense, I mean, they're going to design plays for Anthony Richardson to run the football. And to your point, Jimmy, it probably is simply going to be experience or a couple of hits or a couple of circumstances like this, hopefully, where he then learns how to avoid that by stepping out of bounds, get you know, sliding, whatever it might be, right? Protect um, yourself at all times, like per- could have been correct. used there on the last one, right? Yeah, I mean, well, protecting yourself at all times for sure, right? And the fact that um, – on that play, he he kind of didn't. I mean, I hate to say that, but he kind of didn't. And maybe that just comes with time. This will be a major topic of discussion, obviously, in the Colts happy hour. Six o'clock, you can hear that on this station. Don't forget, if you are out and about and knocking off early on a Friday, Kilroy's downtown is where JMV will be. He will be there for Colts Blue Friday starting at 3 o'clock. So your chance to go down, enjoy this fantastic weather outside downtown. Great location. Have a cold one or a Coke, whatever it might be. Um, or, or a glass of water. Or a glass it is of water in the 80s today, and is it really in the 80s? Mm-hmm. Really high today of 84. Now, now, since you're the meteorologist over there, Eddie, what's it? What is the latest on what it looks like for Baltimore on Sunday? See, I don't know that answer yet. How about I tell you after the break? Uh, do you have your your galoshes by chance? Does anybody say galoshes anymore? No. I bet you At guys. Least I are, don't. I bet you're unaware of what galoshes are. I don't even know if they. Make I, them I've anymore. I've heard them. My mom would say it. Are they are they type of rain boot or no? I I think. I mean, That's it, always been my assumption. I, I think 
galoshes are like the rubber coverings that you put over your shoes when they you are. Right outside. They're rain shoe covers, yeah. Yeah, rain shoe covers. There you go. Do they still make those? Can you buy them anywhere? Oh, yeah. You can buy them on Amazon. They really? have all sorts of different do they, designs. Do, yeah. do, they, <laughs> do they call them galoshes? Do you own any? Did you, how no, did I you don't. spell galoshes when you did your Amazon search? Uh, G-A-L-O-S-H-E-S. Wow. Okay. That was impressive. That was quick for you. I don't, too. Bl- I don't just believe. Just out of curiosity, how did, you find, how did you find galoshes faster than the Baltimore forecast? Well, because I just Google galoshes. <laughs> okay, you couldn't have Googled Baltimore weather. Well, I can, but okay, you, well, you went off on the the tangent of galoshes. <laughs> just like a CEO, because of the Baltimore weather. Eddie. Just like a CEO to blame the chairman of the board for his Google search. Uh, exactly. We'll get the answer on it next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Unknown interesting fun fact. Always love a good fun fact. This is the Scorpions. Where are they from? Listen to the guy saying, where are they from? All right, your guess, Jimmy? Um... Uh... <laughs> It's a great song. Texas. Okay. Eddie Garrison, your guess? Um, I'm going to guess like New Zealand or somewhere obscure and their accents are not... Uh, yeah, their accents are being like hidden or whatever because of their singing. They are from Hanover, Germany. Wow. Oh. I never would have guessed that. Okay, so yesterday... The following tweet was sent to me from Josh S H E one three zero 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 five four two one. Definitely has, not a bot. Who has zero followers? Totally real person. But every tweet that Josh has sent is either to like somehow to the station related in terms of replies, but every other tweet is like selling Bitcoin. But he said the following: Where are you getting your weather forecast from? LOL. There's not going to be any rain for a Colts game. Rain going end Saturday night. Sunday dry. Eddie Garrison, the latest forecast for the Colts-Ravens game in Baltimore, Maryland on Sunday is? According to the Weather Channel, there will be some rain early in the morning, and it will remain cloudy for a little bit, and then rain will pick back up in the afternoon. 90% chance of rain during the day, and then uh, some more rain that night as well. So if you are traveling out to Baltimore, Expect some rain pretty much all day Sunday. Oh, pack your galoshes. Yes. Jimmy, you said something about a cone. Yeah, so the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or for those... Say that five times. Yeah, right? The National Hurricane Center, more commonly referred to, they have these like still cones, these static cones that kind of map out where the storm's going. As Eddie mentioned, it should be likely a tropical depression around 8 a.m. Sunday into the evening on Sunday. But before it was hovering, like it might turn back into the Atlantic, this updated cone today kind of resting in the Delaware, New Jersey DMV area in terms of where it's going to rest today. So to Eddie's point, a lot of rain on Sunday, it appears. Jimmy, I've noticed a trend the past couple of days. You keep dropping like different words that you normally wouldn't use. Is that because you're working with Jake now? <laughs> you're <laughs> trying what does to, that mean? Um, you're trying to like, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Impressed. Can you, can Thank you, you, can you explain, think of the can word. you explain to me the word? I couldn't remember the word you dropped yesterday, but it was in the no, final no, no, segment. No, 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 today, Oceanic? Today. Oh, no, just by doing the entire thing of the National Hurricane Center, not just saying what it was. Well, <laughs> Eddie, I don't know. 
But no, it's not because I was trying to impress Jake, but I, I thank kinda, you for that. I kind of like the fact that I've created some sort of weird sibling rivalry in this whole I thing. I don't want to oh, undercut always you, been but a it's always been there. Yeah. You were just added to it. Uh, we're going to take a look at, speaking of rivalries, some of the tougher matchups in the National Football League, and we'll do it next. Eddie. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Garrison apparently deciding to return me to my roots a little bit. This is my first favorite song. Man, let me tell you something. That song in the summer of 2000 i had to think about it when i was in st louis and was covering the cardinals that cd back then played in the cardinals clubhouse constantly (laughs) who was at the root of that cd playing all the time which player good question i would say probably i mean keep in mind nelly's nelly's from st louis yeah probably edmonds who i loved by the way really but edmonds Jim Edmonds, basically, because he had an MVP level year that year, Jim Edmonds kind of overrode the Nelly thing, and eventually, um, in the spring of '01, literally, you could spring training. I was there the entire time. Limp Biscuit every single day was playing in that clubhouse, and that was a hundred percent because of Jim Edmonds. Jim Edmonds was like, I- "I'm making the rule. It's Limp Biscuit all the time." Jim Edmonds was a super cool dude, man. You said that like you were surprised, Eddie. Yeah, I just didn't peg him as a Limp Biscuit or a Nelly guy. He was a cool dude, man. I mean, still is, I would presume. My understanding is he he's on one of those he's peripherally on one of those Real Housewives shows. I think his ex or his girlfriend or something <laughs> is on one of those shows. He's their uh, TV analyst. Is he really? Yeah. Because uh, apparently he comes off kind of like a, a DB on that show, at least from a women's standpoint. But he was cool, man. I one of the um, the bomb what's that that's one of the most fun nights of, of my life was when i was at spring training in Saint, in west palm and mike james was was jim edmonds best friend mike james was a pitcher and mike james and jim edmonds were going out one night and we're like hey you want to they had like a night off hey you want to go out and so i went out the three of us went out and i, I think people just assumed i was a pitcher for the cardinals because i was roughly their age at the same time and it was awesome. I'll leave it at that. You've got the funny. build to look like a pitcher, too, if you're out in public. When, you know what? Andy Bennis. Do you know who Andy Bennis is? Probably I wish not. I could. He was kind of obscure. Andy Bennis was the number one overall pick in the Major League Draft and eventually for the Padres and eventually played. Andy and Alan Bennis both were pitchers. Andy Bennis played for the Cardinals. And at that time, um, I actually kind of resembled Andy Bennis. So people were like, oh, are you one of the Bennises? Like, no, I'm not. Um, but at any rate. Um, I don't Who's know. asking you paying for my beer? What's that? Who's That's, asking are you paying for my beer? Yeah, no kidding, right? Well, the problem is if they think you're a major league player, they're probably expecting that you're going to pay for everybody's beers. Uh, big weekend in the NFL. Again, just joining us, Anthony Richardson out, not going to play. Gardner Minshew in for Buffalo. But there are a slate of games. You know, the, last night, San Francisco over New York, we talked about the – you know, Brock Purdy continues to impress, man. He's 8-0, 310 yards last night and a pair of touches, but it helps when you've got McCaffrey and you've got Debo Samuel. And, you know, he's got some weapons, and they've got a really good defense. I don't know if the Giants are that bad or if yes. we've just – I mean, they're – They're horrific. 
I mean, they're they're not they're not a good football team. They they're built to some extent on needing like the the to your point, the 49ers could get away with one of those weapons falling down. Saquon Barkley goes down for the Giants, it's over. Like, that's it. Yeah. it, well, it yeah. You're asking Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones to live up totally, to the money you paid him for, and, and he Daniel can't do Jones it. is totally inconsistent, yes. right? I mean, yeah. he, he was bad last night. Uh, I'm going to give you games, and then I want you guys to tell me on a scale, and I mean, quick, I'm talking boom, need one to five stars, how big a game it is, okay? Uh, Tennessee at Cleveland. One. Zero. He Atlanta said one at Detroit. <laughs> uh, three. Two. Okay. Uh, New Orleans at Green Bay. Two. Two. Denver at Miami. Four. Three. Four. Miami's doing the workload there. But yeah, I yeah. was going to say, man, Denver. Denver's. I mean, also, Denver is the Sean Payton saving the day, and maybe Russell Wilson's finally going to turn uh, it around, but they won't. And so it's a plane that you just can't, or it's like a train. It's like a train crash, right? You can't can't help but watch it. Four. Los Angeles, we really call it San Diego Chargers at the Vikings. Ten. Five. It was a one to five scale. Five. The, the, every year, it's Justin Herbert. Every year, it's the Chargers. Every year, they're going to win the West. They're no in two hole. The Vikings were supposed to be still another darling in the NFC. Of, uh, maybe they're the fourth best team, Jake. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Justin Jefferson. Great player. Keenan Allen. I mean, it'll be a good time. Okay. Patriots at Jets. Oh, goodness. One. Yep. Buffalo Bills at Washington Commanders. Two. Three. This this next one, I'm going to try to say it with a straight face. Houston Texans at Jacksonville Jaguars, negative four, two, two. Do you want to elaborate oh, or you geez. want to move on? Feel free to elaborate. Jaguars are the team of the division, and C.J. Stroud does not look bad. I want to see more of him. Okay, I want to see more of him. He looks good. Panthers at Seahawks, one and a half. One. Jimmy, you have to abstain on this next one. <laughs> Bears at Chiefs. <laughs> one million. <laughs> Another one. Cowboys. That's, that's, only dis- for, that's disrespectful. That's only for Kansas City. You only have a one because of that's it? That's, yes. that's Okay. All right. Cowboys at Cardinals. One. Two. Cardinals are like the most obscure. I mean, that's about as obscure right now as it gets, right? They're turning into Tennessee of the uh, NFC. Uh, with the way that, with the way they're playing right now. I mean, Tennessee is at least in the realm of mediocrity you hate to be in. The, the immaculate reception taking. game. What'd you say? The immaculate reception game. <laughs> Can you tell me the immaculate reception game? No. It was Steelers somebody, but I can't remember. Raiders? Steelers yeah. Raiders. Steelers Raiders. Steelers Raiders. I knew um, where you were going with it, but I couldn't tell you the game. I'm still going with two, one. Two. No, you know what? No, one, because I've smack-talked that matchup for a week. One. Philly at Tampa. Two. two. And Rams at Bengals. Three. Four. Okay, we'll begin with that one. Rams at Bengals. Joe Burrow, question mark, right? I don't think he plays. If he doesn't play, it's a one, to be clear. I- I'm embarrassed to ask this. Eddie, you're going to know this off the top of your head. And, and I should, because obviously it's been pertinent. Um, we saw it this week, and I don't know either. Who, I don't remember. Who, who is Burrow's backup? Yeah. Jake Browning. Excuse me? Exactly. Jake Browning. Well, that's, that is... what they, that's what a lot of people like to say about me when I go tanning. Right? <laughs> when yesterday, Suntan City, I was Jake, somebody said, what are you doing? Jake Browning, right? 
Ah, you do look a little more tan. I you, can tell. Well, thank you, Eddie. I, actually, I usually go with the double dark clear. I thought it was just a natural glow. See, that's well, kissing up, Eddie. That's and what I, that is. Yeah. See? I, I usually go the with double the dark glow. Yeah. Double dark clear, but the, the expressions was booked yesterday because it's free tan uh, spray tan week. So I had to go with the Versa. I don't know what any of this Slight, means. Slightly more orange, orange tone as opposed to the violet undertones. But that's the thing. Like, I mean, this kind of, I, just so you guys know, and I want to be clear here, okay? So my spray tan is clear, but but my, and so too is my, my point here in saying this. This kind of, of blatant sexiness at 51 does not always come naturally. Has people called spray already? spray tan does help. What's has, that? Has people called you already? That's right, yeah. Okay. I mean, listen. I'm going to get a haircut later today at 4:59 Barber Lounge, right? So going to enjoy a nice adult beverage I while you to, get your haircut. I, I could. Thank you very much, Eddie, for mentioning that. I could have a cold beer at 4:59 right there, just across from the fashion wall. I think you could even have wine. I think maybe I too. Could have wine. That's right. I could also get a straight razor shave. Yeah. Here's the thing. All of this, I got to pick up Shannon at the airport tomorrow. She ain't even gonna. She's she's literally gonna say, "I got on a plane. I went to Denver for two days. I went to a girls' trip. I came back. And why is George Clooney picking me up at the airport?" That's now is this why you're, you're... <laughs> or George Hamilton? Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just saying. Are you seeking gratification? Is that why you're doing all this to oh, well, please no, Shannon I, when she returns? No, I do it because I take pride in myself because I love me some me. Right? That's yeah. I think we know this. By the way, what cologne do we have on today? It's very strong. Thank you for asking. Bond number nine, Chez Bond. Is it too strong? No, not really. Yeah, see, you like it, right? <laughs> Bond number nine has a, it lasts all day, Eddie. This is this, and again, thank you for for mentioning that. The Bond number nine that I wear. Okay, I mean, I have probably, like most people, just a natural pheromone, but I try to mask that because it probably is a little bit strong, so I mask it with the Bond number nine, and I think it's, guys out there right now, ladies, if you want to buy your guy the best cologne, Bond number nine is really good. It's one of my favorites. I have uh, way too many colognes, but Bond number nine is really good. I want to make sure I understand this. And I I say Chez Bond, I think it's Chez Bond, it's C-H-E-Z, I don't know how you pronounce it. I want to make sure I understand this, so... You thought that perhaps I was sucking up because I read an acronym out loud, and you're just throwing compliments <laughs> left and right at the cologne of the day. Is that what, that, no, what happened? No, 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 no. Not okay. a compliment. I just oh. said it was fairly strong. Okay. Okay. Well, it, here's the thing. I do worry sometimes that because it does, it stays on lo- the longest, so I probably, maybe I over, it, it's hard, it's a tough balance with, with bond number nine, admittedly. I will admit to that. So, number eight, less strong. So if you are getting a headache, I apologize, right? Not yet. No, no right. not the... They ran the eight-minute yeah. ad people right yeah. out of business, yeah. Yeah. right? Uh, okay, so the Bengals and Burrow, you don't think he's going to play, Eddie? I don't think he is. He didn't practice yesterday. I saw some video of him walking around. D- didn't look too good. And it's a calf injury, right? Correct. They play Monday, and then they turn around and have to play Sunday, so that's one less day for him to really recover. I think they'll hold off on him this week, but... I don't know. This is such a pivotal week for them to avoid starting 0-3. I would tend to say that he's not going to play, though. You know, the Rams, it it feels like a real benchmark game for them as well because the Rams, and we knew it. When the Rams won the Super Bowl, you knew that they had compromised so many future pieces that you didn't know how long they were going to sustain it. But are they still competitive or are they not? I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I feel like that's a lot of teams in the nfl right now we're asking that same question like who are they are they actually this team they've they've gotten very lucky with two things one and yeah i'm gonna give love to the former irishman where i can kyron williams has finally burst onto the scene and to the point that it's no longer by committee over there in los angeles there was a healthy and active for Cam Akers. He's now been shipped to Minnesota. Kyron williams their feature back and then puka nakua has been the darling of 
young rookie wide receivers so far this season with what he's been able to do in Los Angeles. He's done enough at a high level setting, you know, record after record, week after week to compliment Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby to a point that the Rams have a little bit something going on offense. So while we thought going into the year, eh, this is the same old carcass that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but they aren't doing anything. They're just a piece away for being a really enjoyable offense, and that would be whenever Cooper Cup gets back. Uh, this text that I just got, hey, blankety blank, talk about sports, not your blank, blank grooming habits. Now, here's the thing. That's I mean, from he, like He huh? typed all those blanks? That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, he must be hot. Here's the thing. Well, no, hot is what I am. That's the spray ah, tan in the clone. Uh, th- that actually comes from my buddy Matt Jacklin, who I grew up with and is like probably one of my five best friends of life see but now i I didn't want to know that and he lives in denver i wanted it to be a random person that got your number from you giving it out and is like hey man i just wanted you to talk about sports he lives in denver so maybe he likes the fact jimmy that you said you think the broncos dolphins game is more intriguing does he count by the way then it is states away does he count he does so here's the thing i took a roll call earlier thank you for mentioning that of course the states listening to the program represented if you are listening right now out of state if you're listening out of state then I want to know what state you're in, and you can text me, okay? You can send us a tweet, too. 317-523-9288, right? You can text me at 317-523-9288. Simply, if you're in Indiana, I don't need to know that. But if you're from other states, so far in the roll call today, Colorado checking in only because of the profane uh, text from my former buddy, Matt Jacklin. Florida, North Carolina, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio, and Michigan. We're there. Our over under was three, right? Yeah, I took the over. Let's go. Can we get like a like what's the I want an obscure state. Like all of those are North Carolina a little obscure, but it's it, you know, it's fairly Delaware. Close, Wyoming. Right? Delaware. Delaware would be good, yeah, right? Why you know why I have a thing with Wyoming, right? Wyoming's Rhode good. Island. So I've been to all fifty states, Jimmy. I'm gonna do it at some point and I've been saying I'm gonna do it for five years. A blog where I rank, in my opinion. <laughs> where I rank the states based on my experiences in being in each one. At least okay? a day in each state was spent? Yes. Or just like, oh, hey, I hit three states um, in one day. Which is fine, but some might be mad about your list. No, I... I at least like an like road tripping through afternoon driving across the entirety of the state. There's no but there's no state more than that just, just like a rest stop. Like hey, correct. Just well, I take that back. Maine would be the only one. I basically was like, I want to drive into Maine, and I drove up into Maine, stopped at. A, but you don't have to. You don't have to go very far into Maine to realize the beauty and the, sure. the benefit of Maine, right? But so I was actually the other day when I flew to. I think I told you guys this when I flew to California. There was a couple sitting next to me, and I we got to talking, and I mentioned that I've been all fifty states, and so they're like, "Which one do you, you know? Which one's cool?" Da da da. And I said, "Well, if you guys can guess right now, my number fifty and my number one, then I will give you guys a hundred bucks if you can get it right. If you can nail it, each of you can give me your so four possible answers here. So they between the two of them." They each gave the, their two plausible answers, and between the two of them, they they had both states represented. And wow. I go, ooh, I'll tell you right now, you have both of them represented. If you want to brainstorm together, we're down to twenty five bucks. But if you brainstorm together and come up with the with the two between the two of you, and they go, okay, so they did, they did, they did, and then they go, okay, we think it's these two states, and they picked the wrong two. Oh, and I said, oh, sorry. And maybe I'm burying the lead here, but Wyoming is 
I would take Indiana out. Wyoming, yeah, I was going to say because Indiana would be one. If Wyoming I was is my number one. Okay, I wouldn't have got there. Wyoming is my number one, but I don't think anybody's listing in Wyoming mostly because there's only six hundred thousand people there, right? And they have no. I mean, we could talk poke 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 about the Cowboys, but the Wyoming Cowboys. I don't think people here aren't don't want to hear about what's going on with Wyoming football. Right? I would agree. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk Colts and Ravens coming up here in 15 minutes with the first ever woman to do play-by-play for an NFL game. Beth Moens will be on the call for the Colts and Ravens coming up, and is going to be talking a lot about Gardner Minshew because Anthony Richardson's out, and she'll be talking a lot about Wesley French because he's going to be snapping it to Gardner Minshew because Ryan Kelly's out, and she may be talking about Quentin Nelson and his battle in terms of health and Kenny Moore as well Kenny Moore did or did not practice today Eddie he did practice today so she'll probably be calling Kenny Moore's name as well but will she be talking about the oceanic atmospheres that's the other thing that comes into play it's got to be on the radar somewhere right both literally and figuratively (laughs) I was gonna say right both literally and figuratively but back to your point about Denver and, and the Dolphins I think Miami's pretty good I mean their speed is really unique in the NFL and in in an era where people are coveting speed, they have a lot of it. And then the Broncos are kind of intriguing just because of how bad they are, right? Yes. That the fact that they they, they do have a they do have a couple pieces on defense and there's always going to be intrigue there inherently because it's Russell Wilson of oh, how bad is it going to be this week or oh, does he finally turn it around this week? But the main reason for my I think I gave a what did I, did I give a 2 or did I give a 4? That made you guys so I don't you remember. Like a f- I think well, I gave a four. I was pretty sure I gave a four. I think anything over a zero. I, but yeah, you did. But it's because I've said this since the start of the season. If you're a Sunday ticket subscriber or if you're going to a bar and you want a specific game on, Miami should be on every week. They're a fun team to watch. Most of it is the speed and it's the just different looks that they're gonna present as an offense, and they're just they're a fun team. So that's half the reason. Also, they're good, they're two and oh. Several people, by the way, have chimed in that while listening, they are actually in the state of confusion. Um, okay, here we go. That's where I live. Dazed and confused? Noon and three. Washington checking in. Okay. Do we have a Johnny Cash's song? We should play Johnny Cash's song for this, Eddie. I've been everywhere. Because we're everywhere today. Washington checking in. We have Kentucky. Did I mention Kentucky yet? don't think he did. Uh, that's random. Okay. Um Kentucky, one of two foreign countries to check in so far today. I'll tell you the other one in a second here. Um, (laughs) Washington, D.C. Nice. New Hampshire. Pineapple Nick's down in New Hampshire. How about this one? Dusty. Dusty. Bismarck, North Dakota. Man. P.S. I agree with your buddy from Denver. Well, Dusty, when I got away from the sports topic, you seemed to be into it when you were able to tell me you're from Bismarck, North Dakota now, weren't you? (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, okay, Arizona. Should have known that Jonah in Arizona, and obviously Maine. California just checked in. Do we have California yet? And here's the big one. How about this? And I want to know more about this. I have a complaint. Once you're done, what's your complaint? I feel like all of these listeners should have also given us a new occupation for the company so we could continue our expansion. That it well, Now, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Expanding beyond just Central Indiana, Exactly. Right? Yep. How about this one? We are now an international company. Yes. We are now an international company because somebody just checked in and said they are listening while in Ukraine. Wow. That's impressive. Hope they're staying safe. Uh, I, indeed. Man. You know? Um, 
The Russell Wilson thing for Denver is interesting to me, Jimmy, because, and I think sometimes we lose sight and we we retroactively like almost wipe like an etch-a-sketch clean what narratives were. And there were a lot of people, and I can't say that I wasn't one of them, I don't recall, but there were a lot of people at the time that I think it was the Matt Ryan selection. Remember, there was a there was like a hot moment there where the Colts were going to trade for Russell Wilson. That was the guy. There right? was an undercurrent about making that move instead of Matt and, Ryan. Absolutely. And Russell Wilson is one that I can tell you with certainty that there was a a plan for the Colts. What year was Russell Wilson drafted? The same draft as Andrew Luck. Was it the same one? I believe so. I think Eddie's right. I think it was like the third or fourth was, round of Yeah, he of was a later pick. 12. The, the, Colts, the Colts had on their board to draft him. Did he go in round four? I want to say yes. Look three. up. He went in three? Per Wikipedia. So take it for what you will. But okay. So the Colts... And I saw I actually saw the the like chart from the the war room on this one. The Colts had on their board that they were going to select Russell Wilson if he was available in round four. And he went in three. But they were going to take him. They liked him so much in what they had seen from him that they thought he they were going to take him as an insurance policy from Andrew Luck under Andrew Luck. They, I mean, Luck was obviously clearly the guy, and they knew that Luck was going to be the guy. But in case something happened where he, he got hurt or, you know, whatever it might be, they wanted to have Russell Wilson on the roster as well. Fact. And they were going to take him in round four. Jake, I think we found someone with your favorite position in the company. Ron has checked in in the YouTube chat. He says he is checking in right now from Victory Field, mm-hmm. and he would like to apply as the parking coordinator so nobody steals your spot. Oh, yes. Hell yes. Now, Ron, here's the thing. Can you please get to the building? Because somebody, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that I have paid specific attention to the car on a daily basis, but if you drive the silver Mustang with the Colts license plate, they started parking in my regular spot in P2 here. Now, it's not reserved for me by any stretch, but I was always the first one in the building, and that was my spot. And it th- still, to this day, it throws me out of whack. It throws me out of rhythm. I, I, like, I almost don't know what to do with myself on most days because I pull in, and if I'm not going to that, I'm a creature of habit, right? Yes. We don't have the time for this discussion, so maybe we get to it at 2.45 if we have time or we save it for next week, or we punt to June when this segment is more appropriate. But that Wilson thing is always talked about from that 2012 draft. I wonder what would have happened with his career and like if he would have been here in Indianapolis, because it would have been a seven-year wait before Luck's retirement. Like What, what, what well, happens it, with no him? No question. I mean... Well, he would have gotten he would have gotten some pretty legit snaps though because think true, about how many times true. Hassel. That's you, a good you know point. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there was always there was always some thing with luck where you know he would he would set out a right. game, two games. I mean, obviously there right? would have been opportunities for him. I just think, man, that's one of those what ifs would have been very fascinating. Uh, to see former how play Indian out. Creek All Star J.R. Angle, the pride of Iowa, checking in from West Des Moines, Iowa. Good dude. His dad's a great guy as well. Two of my favorites. So I appreciate it. Iowa. Uh, hopefully, if you're in Iowa and you're listening to this, you're going to go to a made right. You got to get a made right sandwich. Beth Mowens will be on the call for the Colts and the Ravens coming up on Sunday. Before she does that, she'll join this program and she'll do it on the other side. Half past two. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Here on a Friday, Colts in Baltimore. Taking on the Ravens on Sunday in what could be a Mother Nature-affected affair. We shall see on that. But we do know that Anthony Richardson is out. Gardner Minshew will be the quarterback. On the call will be Beth Moens, who is kind enough to join us from CBS here on the hotline. Beth, first, um, thanks for the time today. I'm curious, and I'll get right to this. When you are preparing for this game and you're looking at the storylines, obviously for Indianapolis, the Anthony Richardson storyline would be the big one, but that's gone now. We now know it's Gardner Minshew. What most intrigues you from the Colts' standpoint? Well, I, I had a chance to cover Gardner in um, college, and then obviously I've been watching him around um, the NFL. And I, I think the one thing that you know our, our crew's been talking, you'd be hard pressed to find uh, you know a whole lot better option as a number two guy than him. The experience he brings, but also the versatility. You know, they can continue to run some of the same stuff, so it won't be you know totally new for him. So I, I think his experience could play a big role in this. Um, especially like you said that you know the weather could be a real issue um and, and I, I was really um impressed with the way he came on and played last week um obviously w- when the weather is like uh, we what we expect it to be the ground game is going to be huge both of these defenses are really good against the run really solid up front with good linebackers so that's probably the most intriguing, um, you know, one-on-one or seven-on-seven, if you will, as to which which group can control the run better in what could be a, a sloppy track. You know, Beth, Chris Ballard, for the last few drafts, has really invested in the defensive line, primarily to try to get some sort of a pass rush. And, you know, there, there was a lot of patience that was requested, I think, about waiting to see what this defensive line group can do. And... I agree with you. I mean, in the last, you know, two games does not a season make, but so far, really pretty good. I think their line looks like it's pretty stout and can be aggressive. Um, In the talks that you've had, what about that line has really jumped out to you? Well, I I think you've got really good leadership um, in the middle and, and, you know, just listening to you guys all week and, and um, you know, chatting with, with coaches and, uh, you know, our analysts that do a fabulous job. Th- those two guys in the middle, I think, is where it, it really starts with, with far, um, you know, with Buckner and then the way that Stewart's been playing. And then you've got that terrific linebacking core to be able to, to clean things up. So, you know, uh, I've been listening to Steichen all week talk about how well they played up front. Both of these clubs have – you know, a game against Houston, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But um, I think they've been taking care of what they can take care of. And when you've got six sacks from six different guys, that also tells me about how everybody is all in and it's kind of all hands on deck and they're all able to make plays. Beth, as Jake kind of mentioned to start the conversation with the forecast being what it is this weekend in those conversations that you've had, or perhaps in those conversations you're going to have with coach Harbaugh and coach Steichen, has there been a, not a hint of how they're going to play that, but, but if they're at all worried about how dreadful the conditions could be on Sunday. Yeah, I I think probably for both sides, you're, you're going to have your extensive playbook and then you're going to have your, your mother nature playbook, if you will. Um, I think it's probably similar for both sides. 
perhaps Lamar has the stronger arm and might be able to add some more throws. But it is supposed to be pretty windy down here, too. So, you know, that might limit what you can do, you know, with the long ball and to the outside of the field. And and so I, I think probably from their perspective, that is going to be huge. How much of a pass game can you include? And then obviously the ball security becomes huge in a game like that. And you got to have guys that can hang on to that wet football. You know, Beth, I'm curious, in your coverage of NFL games in doing play-by-play for games, you know, obviously, as we just talked about, or it was illuminated, you guys do the preparation of meeting with the coaches and kind of getting a preview of what to expect before you do a national broadcast. Do you think people would be surprised to know the sim- how similar one franchise is to the next or is it the opposite of that? Do you like do, do most teams seem to have one of say two or three or four blueprints per game or is it literally different from every franchise of every week to the next where you see something different every time you're going through the preparation? I I think you know from my experience the base um of what you're trying to do can be very similar and then based on who the opponent is on any given week is when you find, um, you know, different coaching staffs handling things in a different way. And I I think that's probably where, uh, you know, every um, franchise, their kind of culture comes into play. You've got a guy like John Harbaugh that's been around, you know, for a long, long time. They have a way of doing things. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that we'll be talking about certainly with the Ravens is, not only do you have coaching, uh, the coaching staff that can set the standard, but you've got veteran players that have been there that are passing that on to the, to the younger guys. And, and so I think that stability, if you've had a coaching staff in place, can, can be you know, a big advantage. Um, but I think from the, the Colts' standpoint, you've got um, a lot of new guys with a new coach, and everybody wants to get their foothold with one another. And so I think you've definitely got the attention. Um, when you have a staff that's new like that, and especially when you're making the, the change at quarterback, which is what it sounds like will be the case um, to Gardner Minshew this week. So I think you see subtle changes. I think the base is pretty similar from place to place. And then it's what you, how you adapt in-game, ultimately, that is what you know decides outcomes. I think you touched on something interesting there, Beth. Beth Mullins is our guest who will be on the call for the Colts and Ravens coming up on Sunday. When you talk about the culture of Baltimore, now Beth, I'm going to be honest with you. When I think of the Ravens, I, I, for whatever reason, I'm still convinced, I mentioned this this week, that like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are out there. And then I have to remind myself that was like two NFL generations ago. But Baltimore is one of those teams that it seems as though the brand of how they play stays the same, and that's probably on John Harbaugh, I, I realize. But where are they defensively, and what challenges will they create? Yeah, I I think defensively they are the, the same type of Baltimore that we've been accustomed to in years past. Uh, the, these two linebackers, uh, you know, I, I think when you look at both these teams, actually the linebackers are top-notch. So when you've got guys like Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen that are you know, your top two tacklers, and you've got those big bodies. I mean, look at the size of the guys up front that are, you know, taking care of eating up all the blockers so that those other guys behind them can run around and make plays. I I think the big challenge, and the weather will, um, you know, play a big role in this, is can you threaten that secondary that will likely have uh, another, you know, uh, week without Humphrey or Williams? We'll we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, They may have another couple of guys that are dinged up, so – 
can you challenge them back there? Do you have the time to challenge them back there with the kind of heat that they can bring? Uh, you know, defensively un- under Mike McDonald, their numbers are are still really good, and and it's going to be real hard to get off to a fast start. I, I don't believe they've uh, given up um, a first down yet in in the first quarter, I should say. So, uh, it, you know, you're going to start out likely with some three and outs, and you got to figure out ways to just try and break through. Beth, we're only two games in, I know that, and maybe it's because we haven't seen him consistently due to his health the last couple of seasons, but does Lamar Jackson look the best that he's been in his career at this point, or is it too early in the season to go that far? I think he looks and feels as good as he did during the MVP season. I think the um, the contract uh, talks being behind him is a huge relief um, I, I think being healthy again for him, you know, he, he's been telling folks this week here in Baltimore just how brutal it was to have to watch the playoffs last season. So I think he's inspired. I think he's still as determined as ever to get this team back to a Super Bowl and, and play for a ring. And I, I you know, just it, it, to see his face light up when you ask him about a guy like Zay Flowers, you know, their fantastic rookie wide receiver. I, I don't believe, guys, they've ever had an all-pro wide receiver in the history of the franchise. And so now you've got four first-round guys that are catching balls for him, and I think he's just, you know, that proverbial kid in the candy store. You know, it's interesting, Beth. Indianapolis is a franchise that, you know, as you know, for the last you – know, around here, the quarterback search, people almost became – they forgot about it, right? Because it's a franchise yeah. that for the first 10 years they were here in town, it was a rotating door at quarterback. Then, obviously, you're stable for essentially, whatever, 18 years. And now here they are again with Anthony Richardson. I know that you're not going to be able to see him on Sunday. That we know. But you would have obviously been talking about and asking about him in anticipation you might see him. What is not only your observation of Richardson, but the general consensus league-wide that you think people feel about him? Yeah. Well, you know, we get a chance to work this week with with Jay Feely and James Lofton and Amanda Renner and and everyone, you know, as as much as we enjoy talking with Gardner, and I I think he's, you know, such a quality guy, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of, of, you know, feeling like a bummer that we won't see Richardson because of all the things that he brings to the table. I I think – probably around the league, um, the expectations were met, if not exceeded, with the way he's been able to handle that offense. And so it all comes down to, I know the conversations around Indy, you know, just listening and and reading what everybody's been writing is, how do we make sure this guy stays healthy? And that's going to be, you know, the big challenge moving forward because, you know, so many of these younger guys, they want to do everything, and they're so good and so athletic and so ahead of the game, even though he didn't play a whole lot in college. Um, We've, as as our crew, we've been – really impressed watching him this week on tape and and what he's been able to put together and I I think there is good reason that you know there should be some excitement back in Indianapolis if if there's a way to keep him healthy. Beth the last thing I want to ask you I'm sure you've been asked before um, but I haven't had the opportunity to ask you I don't know that our listeners would have heard you specifically answering this Mm -hmm. Um, I'm under the assumption especially right now people might be in the car with their kids in the car including their daughters who are adventuring into sports or into areas that maybe they feel hesitant because, you know, people might say, well, you're a girl, you know, you, you, you can't be playing that sport or you shouldn't be doing this. You're the first female to do a nationally televised NFL game. That's well documented. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are in an arena, as you know, that is predominantly male. 
Um, what would yeah. you say to people listening, whether it be gender or in any area or aspect, that feel like there's something where other people would think they can't do something and what it was for you that enabled you to become a pioneer as you have? Yeah. Well, I think the, the most important thing, especially in this day and age, is to surround yourself with people who care, that will, you know, be honest with you and and give you constructive criticism, but also be there to, you know, whether it's a pat on the back or a, a kick in the backside to keep you motivated and keep you going. I had the good fortune, you know, I'm a coach's kid and I grew up around guys my whole life and played sports against older people my whole life. So, you know, for somebody like me or, or like Amanda, you know, that's going to be on the on the call with us this week, we've been around sports our whole lives. It's, I don't know anything different. Uh, what do you mean you're the only girl in the room? I never even noticed before. So, um, you know, from that perspective, you you got your head down and you're just you're doing your job. Um, what's cool about the Colts is, you know, the very first game I did with CBS was with Jake Feely and uh, in, in Indy. And I, I always remember, you know, there's a moment during a timeout or at halftime and you, you look down in the crowd and there's a dad down there and he's at the game with his daughter and they're turned around pointing up at the booth. And, um, you know, it, it's it's a cool moment. You, you do have an impact on people's lives. And um, I, I think the biggest thing is as early as you can, don't be afraid discover what your weaknesses are um and my mine was actually i was kind of shy growing up um around people i didn't know and so you've got to figure out what your weaknesses are and turn those into strengths you've got to be willing to make put yourself in uncomfortable positions so that the next time out you're more comfortable doing it and that's um kind of you know my uh my my mark twain uh school and i, I didn't let my uh education get in the way of my what why why out on a limb that's where the fruit is and life is for chasing fruit now that education i know you were at undergrad at lafayette i think when it happened but you're a native of syracuse your dad was a basketball coach so in conclusion uh how bad did keith smart break your heart i i was like running around frantically jumping up and down hugging everybody we had had such a lovely conversation (laughs) and now i gotta pull this knife out of my heart (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's Beth. I know it's hard to re- it's hard to remember for me as well. But trust me, people uh, around people in Indiana are well aware of the fact that it was thirty six years ago and counting. Right? Oh, uh, till till the day I die. How was Key Smart able to get that shot up? And then the other Syracuse loss at the Final Four was how could Derek Coleman miss that free throw? Oh, jeez. Derek Coleman, nineteen rebounds, baby. Trust me, I've only watched the last eight minutes. I've I've watched the last eight minutes every morning for breakfast all through high school, Beth. Trust me. Oh, you guys, killing me. Little did we know, Beth, that would be the signature moment of Indiana, and I'm now fifty-one years old, right? It's been wild. Yes. Hey, Beth. uh, Certainly appreciate the time and enjoy the game, and we'll enjoy watching it on Sunday between the Colts and the Ravens. But appreciate the time today. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, Beth Mowens will be on the call for CBS. Again, grew up, went to Lafayette College and graduate school at Syracuse, but grew up in Syracuse. And you had to know. I mean, I'm telling you, she's right, though. How did Key Smart get that shot off? Because Daryl Thomas saw the double team, kicked it out. That's how. Uh, we'll come back. We'll take a look at predicting some games. We'll get Jimmy's best plays of the weekend, and we will get you set for John. Out at Kilroy's downtown is where he is for Blue Fridays. We'll do all that next. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Off the top, shout out to Eddie Garrison, because thanks to his help on our over 
yesterday for the Niners instead of the team total. 4-0 yesterday on Thursday Night Football. Team We're total to instead of the over. Into the weekend, correct. And he said team total instead of the over. And for that reason, no MLB plays today. Shout out to Eddie Garrison. Uh, we'll start with the college football slate. Lay the six for Wisconsin against Purdue. Sorry, Jake. Give me Florida State on the money line over Clemson. I'm going to scoop 21 for Colorado against Oregon. Scoop the seven for Ole Miss at Alabama. Irish win tomorrow night against Ohio State. NFL slate lay six and a half on the Dolphins against the Broncos. Lay eight for the Ravens against the Colts. Chargers money line outright. Those are my plays for the weekend. What Eddie, is your score prediction, Jimmy, for the Colts game? 34-20 Ravens. 34-20 Ravens. Okay. Eddie Garrison? I had 27-13 Ravens. Or 24-13 Ravens, sorry. I think that now that we know that Odell Beckham also out for Baltimore, Bart- Baltimore is very riddled with injuries. Not to say Indianapolis is not because Anthony Richardson out, Ryan Kelly out. Um, I do think Gardner Minshew is able to move the football. I like what he was able to do. He's a rhythm passer, and the weather is going to be tricky. We'll see what that means in terms of how much they can move it through the air, but I'll say 26-20, Baltimore ends up getting the win. Go Colts down, cover. Bud Light Friday. Um, it's a Colts Blue Friday. John is at Kilroy's downtown. He is next. Go down and have a cold one with him. We'll see you on Monday.